Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning. A pleasant good Thursday morning to each and every one of you. A beautiful day here in Hamilton, Ohio. Lots of sunshine, blue skies, temperatures getting out of the 20s, climbing up into the 50s. Big league day. Big league day. We welcome you to Off the Bench. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. We got to get through the monologue today. We got guests, 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 guests. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. 12 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman. You're dialed in. And you can join us on Twitter at Seabox Sports. Seemingly every day since this show began over a year ago, this time of year, our lead story always about the Bengals. And why not? They provided plenty to talk about on their way to a Super Bowl and back-to-back AFC Championship games. Today, however, could be a first. We are leading with the baseball team in town. How about your Cincinnati Reds? Now, earlier yesterday, we learned the team had signed Emilio Pagan, a reliever, two-year deal, $16 million. 32-year-old right-hander spent the last two seasons in Minnesota at a 2.99 ERA last year for the Central Division champion Twins. He certainly bolsters the bullpen in a good way. Then if you're like me, you wake up this morning and you learn the Reds later have signed. Padres right-hander Nick Martinez to a two-year contract. Now this is an interesting guy. He was with Texas, was a starter. He went to Japan where he learns this Vulcan changeup that all of a sudden has made him into this dynamite pitcher. Now, he worked as a starter and a reliever with San Diego last year. In his nine starts down the stretch, he had a 2.40 ERA. Reds could use him as a starter or a reliever, depending on what happens next. Reports say Martinez can opt out of the second year of that contract if he so chooses. All of this happens before general manager Nick Crawl even gets to the general manager's meetings, where trade talks undoubtedly will be front and center. We'll get to all the rest of the day in sports in just a moment, but kind enough to join us. He is a busy, busy, busy man, a little less busy now with UC football over. That would be the voice of your Cincinnati Bengals, the voice of your Cincinnati Bearcats, Dan Horde. Danny, good morning. How are you? I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and an early Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you, Tom. I haven't been on the show in a while. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, we miss you. We, I mean, I don't like to bother you when, you're, when you have all three going at the same time. I mean, look, I know you'd prefer UC to be playing in a bowl game or in the Big 12 championship game, but you do get to catch your breath a little bit, right? I do. Uh, and you're right. I wish Cincinnati had a game this weekend. That would be awesome. And I wish we had a bowl game to look forward to. Unfortunately, that was not the case in year one in the Big 12. But hopefully those days will be back soon. Okay, walk me through. We'll, we'll, we'll just start there and then we'll get to some, some brighter news here in a minute. At the end of the day, first year in the Big 12, coach year of co- first year of Coach Satterfield. And, and look, they're all, you know, when you have the record they have, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, transfer portal stuff has started out. What are your expectations now for Coach and the program moving forward here over the next, let's say, three, four, five months? I think they're going to be much better because they've got time to be better. This year was impossible for this coaching staff. They were the only team in the Big 12 that had a coaching change. They had 
very few players on the roster when Scott Satterfield and his staff came in in January. I thought they did a reasonably good job of putting together at least a team that was generally competitive in the Big 12, uh, but it was going to be impossible to win a ton of games in year one. Hopefully they take a major step forward in year two. I think the single best thing that Scott Satterfield did when he got the job was to take a little less money to make sure that he had an expanded coaching staff, particularly where recruiting is concerned. They've got a much bigger staff than they've ever had before. They have a general manager, essentially, that's running recruiting. I think that's going to pay big dividends in the transfer portal. I think it already has with the high school class that they've got committed for next year. So that's the key, right? you got to get great yeah. players. It doesn't matter how well you scheme it up. And I think Cincinnati's going to do well, both in terms of the guys that they've got committed uh, at the high school level and the guys they wind up bringing in in the portal. All right. Uh, I want to shift gears to the UC basketball Bearcats. I have been very impressed with this team early on. I thought they were going to be a lot better. Uh, obviously, you had the two kids uh, that, that were out to begin the season. One is back, still waiting on Reynolds to get back. Let's start just with that question. Do, do you have any feel from Coach Miller, or does he have any feel, or anybody have any feel, as to when they're finally going to make that decision and how you think that decision will go? The last time Wes talked about it publicly, he said that Jamil's case was going to be ruled upon by the NCAA in December. Now, this is his original appeal, and maybe it will go differently than Aziz's original appeal, and Jamil will be allowed to play. Based on the fact that most of these second-time transfers who haven't graduated have been shot down by the NCAA, it feels to me like it probably will be shot down. There, there hasn't been... Uh, many cases where the initial appeal uh, was switched uh, by the NCAA. So at that case, uh, it, it's going to come down to Cincinnati fighting it uh, legally. That's what turned the tide in the Aziz Bandago case. And I suspect that it will turn the tide in the Jameel Reynolds case for no other reason that I personally don't believe that the NCAA has a leg to stand on. And again, this is my personal feeling. This is not UC talking. This is Dan Horde talking. But when you're the NCAA and you give a player a path to be cleared and the player fits every qualification that the NCAA laid out, then I don't know how the NCAA cannot allow that player to play. So again, it's going to probably come down to challenging that legally. And I think if uh, UC continues to do that and, and Jamil has to do that on his own to a certain extent, I think ultimately he'll be allowed to play. Okay, well, let's, let's assume for a second that he doesn't. And, and, just, and let's just stick with the guys that they have there now. Uh, wild game the other night. I loved your post on X about the uh, air conditioning blowing behind you and uh, your partner having to put on a hoodie and you got on a jacket and, you know, on and on and on and on. But but look, you know, every team, I mean, I even noticed the other night, Kansas struggled with, I think it was Eastern Illinois. Every team is going to have these kind of games where you play a team you're supposed to beat, whether it's home or on the road, and then for whatever reason, the other team's making threes or your team's not playing well, whatever it is, and, and, and maybe in the last year or two, they would have lost this kind of game. What have been your impressions of this team so far? I've been very impressed, and this is a hot take that I'm sure a lot of Bearcat fans will not agree with. I thought that was a fantastic win on Tuesday night. Number one, Howard is good. They went to the NCAA tournament last year. They're probably going to win the MEAC and go back this year. Seth Towns is 27 in his eighth year of college. 
Jamari Williams is 26 or 25 in his seventh year of college. It's a veteran team with quite a few good players. And they played the type of game that a team like that needs to play in order to beat a team like Cincinnati. They took the shot clock under 10 on almost every possession, and they made some tough shots. That's how you stay in the game. You may remember in the first half of the game, Cincinnati forced several 30-second violations, and your initial impression when that happens is fantastic defense. And to a certain extent it was, but it was also because they were taking the shot clock down that they only had so many seconds to get off a shot. So I thought Howard had a very good game plan. I think it's a really good team for that level. And I think Cincinnati, despite not playing great, managed to pull out the game and, and, and head home with a win. So I thought it was a great a victory for the team, even though Howard's not a name that resonates with basketball fans. Now, I know there's another game between now. I, I watched Florida Gulf Coast play uh, earlier this year against Indiana. They gave Indiana all they wanted and more. And, and they play any, anybody, anywhere, anytime. That'll be next up. Then everybody looking forward to the Crosstown shootout the following weekend. Uh, this is UC's best chance, in my opinion, in quite a while uh, to go in there and steal one at Centos. Shift gears before I know you got to go. The Bengals. Um. What is a reasonable expectation of this team for the remainder of this season, Dan? I think certainly to be in the remaining home games, they face the Colts who don't have Anthony Richardson and haven't for a long time. Gardner Minshew's a, a solid backup quarterback. They play the Vikings with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. They play the Browns with either Dorian Thompson Robinson or PJ Walker at quarterback. I think it's certainly reasonable to expect them to be competitive and, and hopefully win some of those games, if not all of those games. Jacksonville and Kansas City on the road are obviously going to be very difficult. Those are two of the teams in the AFC that only have three losses and nobody has fewer. But I certainly think that they can be uh, very competitive and hopefully, as I said, uh, you know, win those home games considering the status of the quarterbacks with those three teams. Um, w when it comes to, you know, every team faces this, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, where, you know, look, they haven't mathematically been eliminated, but, 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 but with every loss, that, that's becoming – uh, certainly more crystal clear that their chances are not that great. Um, do, so teams make a decision, you know, are, are we competing? Are we trying to win? Uh, are we trying to win, but we're going to play some younger players to have a better feel for what we have, not only right now, but looking ahead to 2024. W w where do you think they'll go when all said and done on that? Well, they're certainly going to try to win. You can't ask a guy like Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard or Jamar Chase or T. Higgins to, you know, pack it in uh, because the team isn't likely to make the playoffs. So they're going to be trying to win. And in terms of playing the young players, I think with the exception of Chase Brown, they already are. D.J. Turner played every snap at corner last week. Jordan Battle played 57 of 71 at safety last week. So uh, Miles Murphy is getting more and more plays, and I think that that's probably going to go up. The one guy would be Chase Brown, and I do think that Chase is going to start to be used in a rotation at running back. What they haven't done with him so far this year, and part of it has to do with the hamstring injury and the time he missed, is say, all right, on every third series, we're going to play Chase Brown instead of Joe Mixon. Uh, which they've done in the past with running backs. And I think they're probably going to do something like that with Chase going forward to see if he can be the running back that gives him a little more pop and, and the opportunity for more big plays at that position. 
All right, Danny, we always appreciate your time. I know you got things going on. You're busy, busy, busy. Uh, so uh, have a great weekend. You got basketball. You got football. Uh, easy travel day or no? Sat or you get to fly with the team Saturday because the game's Friday night, right? Or am I wrong on that? Now the, bas the UC basketball game is Sunday afternoon. That's right. That's right. Okay. Right. All right. That so you'll be missing Monday, that one. So so there is a uh, there's a flight later in the day on Sunday to Jacksonville. So knock on wood, shouldn't be a problem. Even if that flight is problematic, I'm sure I can get to Jacksonville in time for an 8:15 kick on Monday. That's so I'm right. not too worried about. All right. Well, your first weekend without college football anymore. Safe travels, my friend, and thank you as always for your time. Always my pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me on. All right, Dan Horde, voice of the Bearcats, voice of the Bengals. I forgot that UC's game was on Sunday, and of course the Bengals are playing Monday night. So he's getting a little bit for 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 Dan Horde standards. He's getting a bit of a break. Yeah. Where his travel is not a nightmare. Where if you miss the one flight, your DUN done. What was the what was the most grueling travel schedule that you ever had to endure? Well, without a doubt, it was during the days back when Fox had all the baseball playoff games, and Joe Buck would be doing the. Um, the NFL, mm -hmm. and so I would be sent on the biggest baseball game during the division series. Mm -hmm. So you'd go from like, I went from, I mean, I, I can't even remember how many cities in, in like seven days, and every day it was a different one. So you're going from like Atlanta to Oakland, Oakland, Red Eye to Boston, Boston to New York, New York to Phoenix, I mean, it was just insanity. Um, but you know what? It's a hell of a lot of fun. I was going to say, did you enjoy it? Oh, or does yeah. It, or are you does kidding me? Come on, on. Come on. Come on. You got the world by the tail. Come on. Come on. Enjoy it every second. Was there ever a close call? Was ever was No. You're no. running, running down the terminal? No. 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 Uh, well, yeah, running down a terminal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are always ones that are relatively close calls. You know, the only one is, you know, it's kind of like the whole state of New Jersey. You know, Thanksgiving weekend. Shut down TSA. Shut her down. <laughs> Shut that shit down. Busiest travel weekend of the year. Sunday at 4 o'clock. Shut her down. Trying to make that flight back. Right? That's right. After doing the Giants, the tired Giants, or the tired Jets. Speaking <laughs> of the Jets. And look, we're going to get to all of the... Uh, we're going to get to all of the baseball talk later in the show. We had already lined up guests... Dan at 10 o'clock. We got Botch Lombardi, our main man down in big Dallas, Texas. Cowboys are playing tonight against Seattle. Got a lot to talk about with Botch. He's dialed in about a lot of different things around the NFL. And we were already committed to those. So I had no idea that the Reds were going to go out and make two free agent signings. So we'll get to all the baseball stuff in a little while. Uh, staying on football for just a second, and I said New York Jets comes to mind. Who in this room said Rodgers wasn't coming back? That was me. That was me, Tom. He's back at practice. He's can't not play. been cleared for contact, say. but he's back at practice. They said he can't play for a couple of weeks, right? Well, they have to make a decision to either activate him or just declare him out for the year. They have 21 days, days I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, if he doesn't come back, then I was right. Then I was right. If he doesn't play this year, then I am, I am no, right. It always turns into the technicality. We just said he would be back. 
And if and you're not on the back. football field, you're not back, Tom. If he doesn't play well, this year, he's not back. He's yeah, but if they're out of, if they're out of playoff contention, yeah. they're just going to shut him down That's because right. why would you why would you risk it? Well, they're four and seven. It's true. They're I mean, done. you know, they're if you can't play for the next, let's just say you can't play for the next two, you go to four and nine. Forget it, right? Forget it. Forget it. All right, we got other things to get to. FC Cincinnati. How about this story? This is not good, Casey. This is not good. FC will be without the league's top defenseman for the rest of the playoffs. Best defensive player in the league. He was just named last week. Matt Miazga, correct? That's right. That's the right pronunciation. Was suspended for three games by the league office yesterday for his conduct towards game officials after the win over New York. He also must attend a substance abuse and behavioral health program. It's the stupidest thing. This is a huge blow for FC Cincinnati's chances. I'm not saying they can't win without him, but the conference finals are Saturday night, and he ain't there. Well, what makes it even worse, Tom, is that Columbus, the Columbus crew are one of the highest scoring offenses in all of MLS. And usually these games... I, if you were listening to the show yesterday, and um, you would know that when, when we had our guest on Tommy G, uh, Tommy, Tommy G, G, sorry, I drew a blank there. You would know that these games get really high scoring, and it can sometimes come down to that one goal, one goal decision, and he 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 is a goal difference in my opinion. Matt Miazga is one of the best defenders in all MLS. It's a, a tough loss. And I believe uh, Tommy G said he wasn't there for the three nothing loss in August. Is, is, so I believe that's what he that's said. That's right. That's correct. So that's not good. Right. And uh, how will our Lions prevail? Yeah, we and we're already we're already down thin <laughs> on center back. So it's just even even worse of a position to be in. So Tom, you're gonna have to take Nyquil to get a good night's rest now. I am. I did last night when I found out about it. Doubled down. Doubled up. It's got better, you better bourbon. get to those stores soon because they're going to run out of all of the NyQuil and bourbon are in short supply in greater Cincinnati. <laughs> that they are. That's right. That's right. I mean, our one chance to win a championship and the, the, the league officials just take the That is Cincinnati, taking, though. That's, that's us that's in a this, nutshell. It's what we've become. Is he the Vontez perfect of the MLS? No, no. He doesn't, he doesn't do things that are dirty. He just gets in ref's faces Neither and yells Tez. and screams at him. Yeah. Neither did Tez. Tez was a clean player. Tez was just yeah. playing football. Yeah. It's a man's game. Right. It is a man's game. College basketball, Tom. College basketball. Uh, Ohio State goes to 6-1. and one. They uh, beat up Central Michigan last night. Dayton is 5-2 and two after a come-from-behind two-point win at SMU. That's a good win for UD. NKU, your alma mater. They have a basketball team. Mm-hmm. 77-59 over Robert Morris. Top 25 action. Somebody around here, did I hear, won some money. In the Tar Heels shootout, North Carolina 100-92 over number 10, Tennessee. Yeah, I really like North Carolina at home. And who would have thought that Tennessee, the stout defensive program that they are, would give up 100 points. Hunda! 100 points at a college basketball game. Crazy. Look out for Carolina. Number five, Duke lost at Arkansas 80-75. to College football, this transfer portal thing, man, it is open for primetime business. And two outstanding quarterbacks are on the move. Duke's Riley Leonard and Washington State's Cameron Ward. It is believed 
multiple schools are chasing each player. And Matt Rule, the head coach at Nebraska, came out in a press conference yesterday and said, you want to get in on either one of these guys? The starting price in NIL money, $1 to $2 million. Starting price. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. Don't know when he's coming back. And tonight in uh, Thursday Night Football, Dallas host Seattle. Watch Lombardi. Will join us in a matter of moments. Oh, and by the way, the Bengals play Monday night in Jacksonville. Can you believe here we are? Closing in on the 1st of December, where we've been and where we are in regard to the Bengals. I made the comment. We have opened every single show mm-hmm. from September, October, November, December, January, almost bordering into February over the last year plus where the Bengals were the lead story on this show. Today, they're dead last. Uh, Tom, this this whole Bengals season has been a tumultuous ride. You started off, is Joe Burrow going to be healthy enough for week one? He plays anyways, plays four weeks banged up, not going well. Can we turn this season around? Oh, they go on a four-game win streak, beat the best team in the league at the time, the San Francisco 49ers, beat the Buffalo Bills, all the way back, lose the Texans, Joe Burrow's hurt, and now it's all dead. It's just it's it's been a, it's been a ride. It's not been a fun ride for most of the time, but it's been a ride, Tom. And I'm I'm exhausted as a Bengals fan. I'm exhausted, and I'm and I'm glad that I, I don't have to devote as much attention to them. Dude, anymore. you got six more weeks of this. Well, I mean, yeah, but theoretically, if they went out, <laughs> if they went out, they can go to the playoffs. They could. They could. Theoretically, if they got hot. Right? They're not mathematically eliminated, but right. And the Reds could sign Shohei Otani. I mean, like all these things are possible. Tom, to color in your point, um, I, we we ran a poll, I believe, during the summer, just as a, a fun poll. And the question was simply, will the will the Bengals win a Super Bowl before the Reds win a playoff game? And overwhelmingly, everyone was choosing that the Bengals were going to win a Super Bowl. That was just that was just the the mindset, right? I mean, I don't know if that's a realistic thing whether people would put money on that. But that's where oh, I think they'd put money on it. That's where the fan bases were, you know, not that long ago. And it is wild to think that uh, things can quick turn uh, turn quickly on a dime. But the Bengals, at least, and if you want to be an optimist, there's a clear reason as to why you could say that they're going to have a poor season. If Joe Burrow was healthy and they were they were playing this poorly, then I think there would be reason to like start to hit the panic button. I don't think I would do it wholeheartedly quite yet, though. Are you there? No. You're not going to hit the full-fledged panic button on the Bengals? No, no, no. Not I'm yet. Not, panicked. not yet. Not yet. No. I mean, for this season, uh, I don't think they're going to make it. If that's, I mean, to answer directly this year, they're not going to make the playoffs. But... Uh, no, I'm not ready to panic on them. They have too many good players. Uh, they've, they've, they've got one of the best two, top two quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Uh, you get him back healthy, get some guys around him. Casey, right? Orange and black, colored glasses, brother. Yeah, yeah. I'm I've not, learned from you. The I, best. I'm, not, I'm not worried at all. You know, I, I want to I I point <laughs> out something here real quick. In my monologue there, and I appreciate because I do need to clarify this. 
Uh, where was this pointed out? Because I want to make sure. Sean Connor said, no, Matt Rule did not say those two specific individuals by name. He's not allowed to do that. He just said, if you're going to go out and look at a first-string top-notch quarterback, that's what you're looking at. Isn't that unbelievable? And you know it's going to be a hell of a lot more than that because you got competitions for guys. I mean, somebody reported the other day the five schools that were after this kid from Washington State who I guess is just a phenomenal quarterback. I mean, you look at his numbers, and it's scary. He can run it, he can throw it, he can, you know, do it all. Um, Ohio State was one of those schools, allegedly. Miami of Florida, the University of Washington, moving out of the Pac-12 into the Big Ten. Oregon was another, uh, allegedly, uh, taking a look at this guy. And by all accounts, now, do you believe what you read? The dude at Duke, who when he was healthy this year, Leonard, he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Then he started getting beat up, missed a lot of time. Uh, but everybody seems to think he's going to take the same path as the ACC's best quarterback last year, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, and go play for your Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Yeah, I saw a couple reports on that. Bring him on. Who Bring has on. more money than Notre Dame? You'd never know it if you visited a dorm there. Catholic Church has a lot of money, Tom. We all know this, but uh, you know, it's, it's. I'm talking about Notre Dame University. I know. Um, you know, we, we talked. They haven't about- spent ten cents on a dorm down there. They got you. Got you. Gotta, you have to build character, Tom. That's that's one way to do it. You know, yeah. you build character. You don't have to have everything prestigious. Yeah. You get there. I didn't say it had to be prestigious. I just up, said Tom. it had to be livable. Yeah, if you're well, paying if you're paying eighty five thousand a year, you want you want your kid living in a box. Right. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with it. Also. Uh, Tom, if you love America, you have American flag right there on your on your. I uh, do. On I your love America. iMac. You're a patriot. I love. It's still uh, a great country. Well, it's not an iMac. Whatever, MacBook. It, you should you should appreciate the transfer portal. That's that's free market capitalism. That's capitalism. So we. That's I'm all what, for it. That's what we love about this I'm country. All if you're 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 worth whatever someone's willing to pay you, Tom. Only takes one. Man. Only takes one. Noah Brown says Notre Dame the elitist, and they still can't win. Can't deny that Still one. Still can't win. Can't deny that one. Academic standards are too high, Tom. I know. That's what Urban said. Sorry, sorry that Notre Dame values the education <laughs> of their athletes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike some yeah. of those other schools. Uh-huh. I'm sorry that they still take the student-athlete approach. There's no doubt. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Give it up to them. I have a fun fact for you, Tom. I had a buddy who went to Notre Dame, and Chase Claypool, the wide receiver for – I don't know where he is now. He was on the Bears. Anyway, I don't. I don't it doesn't matter where he is. Chase Claypool – uh, my buddy, I believe, tripped and fell on the sidewalk. There was a bump in the road, and Chase Claypool was behind him. Chase Claypool, instead of helping him up, just walked right over him. Just stepped all right over him. That's it's well. That's a, Chase Claypool. That's just a Notre Dame man. A real man. I can't beat down Notre Dame too bad. My wife's an alum, so I can't beat him up too bad. Or else, the times are already rough enough. Don't need to add a fuel to the fire. Is our man ready to go? He's ready. This is our guy, man. I've missed him. I've missed Vox Lombardi. The big fella, he knows everything that is going on, not only with the Dallas Cowboys, but I mean, whether it's his draft preview he puts together, this guy is dialed in. Botch, it's so nice to see you. Early Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Thank you so much, Tom. And and listen, the the one thing I would never do is to be so rude as to come on someone else's show and be told you so, guy. I refuse to be that. I will not be that. (laughs) And and, and what are you talking? What are you talking about? Well, boy, I, you know, and, and I'm what not just doing What are you talking because, about, Vach? I'm, I'm, 
I'm not just doing this because a lot of people from Ohio watch your show, but I, I just remember coming on your show and, and, and y'all was asking me about the offensive line and draft guys coming out last year. I was like, boy, man, Dewan Jones Ooh, might be better than all these characters, right. man. Yeah, you did. Boy. And, you did know, I read the other it, day, like, he's like the second highest rated right tackle in the NFL. Is that what I read the other day? Oh, Dewan Jones, incredible. And, and you know, everybody was afraid because he's humongous, but I thought that's what we were looking for when we draft offensive linemen. Humongous, good-moving, strong dudes is is what I thought we were looking for. And then the whole C.J. Stroud. I don't even want credit for this whole C.J. Stroud thing. I just I just want to just, just let you know I said it on your show. And, you know, some people – some people said Bryce Young was Pat Mahomes or something. I thought that was not, but but whatever. Tom Brennan, what, what, what how you doing? It? What, I'm doing you? good, man. And you know what? You 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 know you're exactly right. You did say both of those things. And uh, but with the Bengals, you know they, they don't want to find those glass eaters. They don't want to find guys like Dewan Jones, big, huge. You know can move mountains. They they don't want that kind of guy. They want the guy that can drop back and you know get your hands and pass protection and you know things like that. Don't want to hit somebody, botch. Don't want to line up well, and hit them. Well, you know, uh, uh, the the Bengals they they like people that 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 hit people, you know. But sure, but offensive line they they they've been missing on offensive line. They they'll hit some other places, you know. They 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 find some good defensive players that I like. But uh, boy, as as far as offensive line goes, every single one that the Bengals pick, I I just haven't been a a very big fan of. But it is what it is, you know. You know, that's right. I don't want to hit right. on the Bengals while 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 Bengal fans are watching. We can we can well, talk about that later when they're not watching. But no, sure. believe me, I get on them when they're watching all the time because it, it, it's. It's sad what's happened, especially with that offensive line. They have the uh, sixth most money tied up among all teams in the NFL with that offensive line, and they never ask them to run block. They never give the ball to Mixon. They get in a backup quarterback, and they run the ball eight times in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll tell you why that's actually terrifying, because some teams have bad offensive lines because they just – you know, haven't tried or, or, or they just haven't put resources into offensive line by being the six most, what'd you say? Six most money allocated to offensive yep. line. That means yep. you guys are actually trying, but you're missing. So you need to go and find people that are, uh, you know, you know, watching film on these guys and evaluating these guys. And yeah, I don't want to fire anybody, but boy, fire those dudes. Well, they ought to bring you in. I mean, our Dewan Jones would be hanging out down there instead of watching miles Murphy run around. Uh, okay. That's neither here nor there. Now, listen, you know, but you and I, I, I mean, I have incredible respect for you. You're smart. You're handsome. You got a great smile. You're a hard worker. You got a lot going on. But I got to tell you, um, well, you know what? We haven't talked this year. So I'm going to ask you first so I know where you are this year. The Dallas Cowboys play tonight against Seattle. Cowboys sitting at 8-3 and three on the year. Please give me your state of the union on where you think the Cowboys are this year. Well, Tom, you know, it's tough to come on these shows and say good things about the Cowboys just because, you know, the other 31 fan bases have problems with the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys. But I think it'll be incredibly irresponsible to say bad things about the Cowboys just for the sake of saying bad. If, if we can all just have a moment of honesty and clarity and clairvoyance and all that and just put away all this cowboy hating just stop for a second and objectively look and see what is going on the cowboys are this team that came into this season good there was going to be change at the offensive uh play caller coordinator kellen moore is in <laughs> he's in los angeles proving us right mike mccarthy 
It's going to take him. You know, this this whole change from this high-flying Keller Moore thing to this West Coast thing, it was going to take us a little while to do it. And everybody's talking about it now since San Francisco. The Cowboys got destroyed in San Francisco. I'm not running from that at all. But we have to agree. We have to say, we just have to knock on wood that this just keeps on happening. That since San Francisco, the Dallas Cowboys have been one of the best teams in football because of defense that wins championships and your quarterbacks, quarterbacks wins, they win championships also. Dak Prescott has been playing incredible, flat out incredible. And boy, you'd have to be a hater to say otherwise. Now watch this time, Brandon, because I know what your chat box is going to say. I know what social media is going to say when y'all take this. You know what's coming. Oh, watch this. All time, I'm ready. Watch this. But Vodge, where are the good teams that the Cowboys are looking good that against? That was my next question. I mean, good Lord, Vodge, you've beaten the Giants twice. You've beaten the Jets. You've beaten the Patriots. You've beaten the stinking Chargers, the Rams, the Panthers, and the Commanders. Vodge, come Sorry. on now. That's a legitimate. Mm -hmm. Hold on. I'm not hating because I don't hate the Cowboys. I, I sure. love Dak as a guy. We'll see if he can go out and win that big game, and we'll get to that down the road. But, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I got to tell you, um, it is a legitimate question, though. Am I right, sure. Botch? Come on. You, objectively, every 100%, you are correct. But, Tom, I'm a football dude. Played it, coached it. We, football dudes say the same thing. A win is a win. Yep. Plus, Tom, plus, Tom, there are good teams that lose games to bad teams. Plus... There are good teams that barely beat bad teams. Yep. So why would I, as a person that covers the Dallas Cowboys, why would I be upset that the Cowboys are thrashing bad teams? I believe in football math, Tom. I just believe in, oh, you had a hard time with that team? Oh, I beat the hell out of that team. I have an advantage here. I believe in football math. So just just – um, I think uh, Tony Romo said it, maybe Troy, even one of these guys said, they said, hey, man, look, everybody beats the Giants, but nobody's breaking NFL records like this versus the Giants. You understand? And, of course, you know, context matters, right? You can say, oh, the Cowboys lost to the Eagles. The Cowboys definitely lost to the Eagles. But it's not like Dak Prescott shriveled up in some moment yeah. versus the Eagles. If, 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 look, anybody that watches football, if y'all been watching the Eagles the past eight weeks, no hate to them because they've been winning these games. But boy, somebody sold their soul to the devil. Weird stuff just happens towards the end of these games. And Josh Allen will do this. And Pat Mahomes' characters will drop those passes. And, and it's just these things will happen. No disrespect because 10 and 1 is 10 and 1. But you have to say the, the, the credit that the Eagles will get or barely skating. They'll say, oh, the Eagles pulled out this hard-fought win versus the Washington football wizards. I don't call them commanders right I don't like them. Oh, the <laughs> Eagles put up a feisty championship performance versus the Washington football wizards. Meanwhile, oh, I'm not impressed that the Cowboys beat the Washington football wizards. I, I, I just think people put a lot of hate on the star. But this is what's going to happen here. Football, you know, your your record is always going to say who you are. Parcel says right. it. You are, you are who your record says you are. The Cowboys got some mean characters that we got to go against the next couple of weeks. Seattle Seahawks, Philadelphia Eagles again, Buffalo Bills, regardless of what y'all think of, of, of their record, Dolphins and Lions. You're really going to know who this Dallas Cowboys team is over the next five weeks, and I can't wait. Okay, well, walk me through then. Um, for, for people that have not watched Dallas play, uh, a, a lot this year. I, they they got robbed in the Philly game. I mean, look, you're, they lost. You're right. They got robbed in the game. I know you weren't going to say that. You're above all that. I, I know what kind of man and what kind of character you have. 
Um, so you're above all that. Uh, but having said that now, um, w- when you look at these next number of games, and you just ripped them off, in order, they are going to be the Seahawks tonight. Then the following weekend, it's going to be Philadelphia. That'll be at home. The Cowboys then back-to-back road games, Buffalo, and then at Miami, and then the Lions at home. Now, I know you'd love to see them go 5-0 and there. But sure. realistically, you feel good if you come out of that 3-2? and um, I'll tell you this, Tom. I'll tell you this. I, I just think so highly of this Cowboys team, right? Um, the Cowboys and, – and it's also – how about this? Cincinnati audience demographic, Bengals fans watching. Boy, Tom, you remember when the Bengals went like 10-7 and seven and they went on a little run and they got hot yep. towards the end of the year? Right around this time, they started yeah. making field goals with their rookie kicker. And, boy, they started playing some opportunistic defense and getting turnovers and offense just didn't turn the football. And, all. and man, before you know it, they're in a Super Bowl. Well, Tom, that's that's what you got to do in this league. You got to get hot towards the end. So the Cowboys lost Trayvon Diggs. We had to make an adjustment on, on defense, and it took us a little while to do that. Kellen Moore goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. We got to make changes on offense. It takes a little while to do that. The first six or so games that you saw from the Cowboys, and this is not making excuses, but that's not who the Cowboys are now. They've made many adjustments till then. And and honestly, that's what this thing is all about, is can you make adjustments? So now we're here with the highest pressure rating in the league. I think our pass rush is like 46.9% uh, pressure rating. That's ridiculous. Yeah, We can get the quarterback. We can stop the run. The Cowboys the last few weeks have been running the ball better. And Dak Prescott has been ridiculous. So... To answer your question, I, I honestly don't think the Seahawks are going to be very much of a problem. No. They are a winning team. They are a team that was cool last year. But Geno Smith, Eugene Smith is Eugene Smith at the end of the day. Plus, the Cowboys just just don't lose at home. They're uh they're on a twelve and 0, um twelve and zero win win streak at home. So Seahawks at home, I feel great about. I don't fear the Philadelphia Eagles. I think playing them at home and mostly Dak Dak is eight and four versus the Eagles. We don't really lose that much versus the Eagles. The Bills game could get weird. Yeah. It's the snow. Yeah. But I tell you what, though, Tom, the Cowboys typically win when we get turnovers. Boy, Josh Allen has not had a game in the past, what, nine weeks where he hadn't had a turnover? I just yeah. believe Josh Allen will just throw us the football. They'll just miss some opportunity. And plus, Tom, I think that the Bills are this close to just quitting. Keep it honest with you. I think they, they might just quit on you. Um, the Miami Dolphins are another team that are in this range of, hey, can they beat a good team? Yep. Uh, they're this high-flying offense when they can run the ball. Hey, if the Cowboys can stop the run, we'll see. But let's just say for honest conversation, let's just say that this high-flying Tyreek Hill, Tua Tonga, Jalen Waddle, uh, Miami Dolphins, and let's just say that they beat the Cowboys. Fine. Fine. That couldn't keep up with that high-flying Miami offense. Cool. Detroit Lions just lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving, man. They just lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of that, but I feel like my team never would have lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving. Uh, so I, I still think that we have some, you know, conversation to be had about what the, you know, Lions are. When the Lions played a good team, the Baltimore Ravens, they got blown out in front of yep. everybody. But when the Lions play bad teams, the Lions typically do what the Cowboys and the Dolphins do. So let's just say... I'll say three and two, four and one. I think that's I think that's incredibly yeah. fair, Tom. Yeah, I, I think four and one is 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 a solid expectation out of that because you're right with Philadelphia at home, uh, Buffalo. You're right, could get weird, but 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 Allen can give it away. And and look, I, I'm with you on 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 uh, Miami and Detroit, and I don't know how anybody couldn't be with you on it. Every time they play somebody good, they lose. 
Sure. But we'll find out about Cowboys your Dallas Cowboys. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Be fair. All right, before I let you get out of here, I'm curious as to one thing because you do such a phenomenal job on uh, the draft. And I know you're not diving into that necessarily a whole lot right now. But I'm just curious because I've read so many different articles lately. And, and, and I'll tell you where I am on this thing. Um, anybody who thinks about drafting the May kid out of North Carolina or Penix or Knicks or anybody else ahead of Caleb Williams, I say you're losing your mind. Caleb Williams is a player. Do you agree or disagree he's the first pick in the draft? Well, well, Tom, the one thing that we have to do is we can't look at people on the internet like they're real people. Sorry, audience. Um, we just can't look at these tweets, these articles, these – because, you, you know, there's some um, – integral ambiguity there you know we don't know if these people are trying to get clicks or if they're really trying to give you great information so we have to be careful when we're out here in these internet streets um there's a lot of people that'll look to you know caleb williams uh you know going 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 in the stands and crying on his mom as as some reason why he's why he's not a good football player those people have never competed for anything you know i've i've lost playoff games and went to my mom and cried so i mean i can i can understand that but as far as talent Arm talent, ball placement, mobility, being a gamer, uh, being able to make every single throw, like being a stud in general. I don't see how anybody can look at any other player and say that 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 Caleb Williams is not um, the first overall pick in the draft. And, you know, there is this, though. I think we have to, you know, separate what being a good college football player is from a from a from a. A, a great pro football player, yeah. Like um, Jaden Daniels, right? He he can he can probably make a make a like a college football conversation with uh, with Caleb. You know, Penix can make a college conversation yep. with Caleb. But when we start talking about draft stuff, and we start talking about what teams in the league are looking for, and we start talking about all right, who has the 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 most traits? Because that's what we're really drafting for. We're looking for traits, right? There's not a dude that has more traits in NFL ready. You know, like the 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 damn tool belt, Tom. Like Caleb got it. <laughs> Caleb got yeah, it. Now is no he doubt. is he Pat, now is he Pat Mahomes? No, because I think people get a little lazy with that. Um, but he he does show flashes of that that gunslinger thing that's popular now with the young uh, with the young passers. So so no, it's it's not. Penix may be a second round guy. Jaden may be a third, like a day three guy. Uh, Drake May is going to be good. He's probably going to go right after Caleb. But we got to see what that looks like. No, it's this is this is just people trying to get you to click something when they say that that Caleb okay. is is not the dude. All right. Well, Vach, we appreciate so much your time. You're the best. We love you. Uh, our, our audience loves you. I mean, they're talking you up in here. They badmouth me and everybody else in here, but they love Vach Lombardi. So enjoy the game tonight, my man. You the man. Tom, let me tell you something. If I keep saying good things about the Cowboys, they're going to start to badmouth me too. Vach Lombardi on social media and YouTube. Appreciate you, Tom. Salute. All right, where, where do they find you? At Vach Lombardi? Is that is that where they find you? At Vach Lombardi on YouTube and Twitter. V-O-C-H-L-O-M-B-A-R-D-I. And you do a show every day from when to when? Every Monday through Thursday month, at 3 right. p.m. Central. Now, my, you know, this 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 week's a little different because Cowboys. So I do post-game shows, pre- and post-game shows for my Dallas Cowboys. So if you're into that, come tap in with me. And we do draft all offseason, but Tom will have me on when it's, uh, when it's yeah, that right. time to talk. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm going to tune in tonight and, and listen to you uh, tonight you, after sir. this game. I'm going to be dialed in. Watch you're the man. Thank yeah. you for your time, buddy. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. You too. That guy is just Awesome, man. You're not getting that tired, canned material. No. 
You know what I mean? That was, dude I, is on it. I was ready to run through a wall for him. That's I mean, that's where I was. I listened to these Cowboy fans, and they keep telling me blah, 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 blah. He kept it real. Listen, I, I will be the biggest Cowboys fan because of Vach. That's, that's, that's a promise to you. I'll have to adopt a second team because the Bengals are trash now, unfortunately. And I, and I say that with love and respect, but the season's over, and we have no hope. So I'm now a Cowboys fan. Let's ride Cowboys Nation. I'll never be a oh. Cowboys fan because they gave us Frank Pollock. And that's, that's an, unforg- that's <laughs> oh an, un- that's an unforgivable sin here in Cincinnati. Oh but, th- Tom, the gravity of Vach Lombardi's personality is incredible. I could not, like, your attention can't divert from Vach when he's talking. Your eyes can't divert from Vach when he's talking. The gravity of that man is incredible. He's, all, he's yeah. off the charts, man. He, he is probably one of the most accurate draft analysts I've ever seen. I've watched him for now three or four years, and he's just spot on with some of his takes. Dewan Jones is just one of those guys that he was spot on about. And I raved and ranting and whatever about Dewan Jones. Um, yeah, he's he's just the best, though. He's, he's, you he's were Casey in all seriousness now because you, you, it's not your personality. But you were the guy last year along with Vox Lombardi that kept screaming from the mountaintops. I'm being serious about this. This isn't joking around. You were all in on Dewan Jones. I was just reading some of those numbers that this cat's putting up. Remember now, he did not start the year in the starting lineup. That's it right. It was only an injury in the season opener against the Bengals where he had to step in. So this guy has now started 10 games, and he's a second-highest-rated right tackle in the NFL. Yeah. And the Bengals are paying Jonah Williams $12 million, whatever the whatever it is, to move from left tackle to right tackle. They could have Dewan Jones for the league minimum. We, we laughed at Casey. We did. We did I didn't him. laugh at him because <laughs> no, Dewan no, no. Jones is a Buckeye. We, we laughed because we were talking, who should the Bengals take in the first round? We all talked about it. And we're all throwing out Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, all these names. And Casey just sat over there, and he's like, I want Dewan Jones. We're like, Dewan Jones, who's projected like early third round? You want to take him in the first? He's like, yeah, I want Dewan Jones. I want Dewan Jones. And then Dewan Jones gets drafted not in the first, not in the second. <laughs> not even in the third. Not in the third <laughs> round, but yep. the fourth round. And we all collectively laughed at Casey. And just were like, dude, you said you wanted this guy in the first round. He's a fourth-round talent, and here he is tearing it up. Ten I mean, games in. Come on, games. guys. You guys got his bus out here already. I mean, no. Listen, he didn't give up the pressure against Nick Bosa. guys come here on. rant and rave. At one time, all you got to do is look at him and say, well, you still have Dak Prescott. And, and all this stuff in the regular season is cute. I mean, it's really pretty, Tom. Really cute. Let's his see second, what happens when they have to go to San Francisco. His second or third start, he didn't give Let's up a single pressure to, to Nick Bosa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what are we talking about? In the playoffs, about? see what if we they can win. About? And this is coming from a guy that thinks was, Dallas is good. I was going to say, aren't you the, the pro-Dallas guy? Aren't we all the detractors, and now you're detracting from them? Well, I mean, I sit here and suggest that, 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 that everything's looking great for the Cowboys just because of where they're at. They've not proven anything yet. They've literally proven nothing. Well, he admitted nothing. that. He admitted, he admitted that. that. He admitted that. He said they haven't beaten anybody any good. He just said that they've demolished the crummy teams. It's all he said and they made changes as the year has gone on all right football math football math it's not it's not their fault that they play in the crappy nfc and only play two teams over 500 at this point in the season it's not (laughs) dallas's fault it is actually a a decent point nfc is such a joke they've literally only played two teams with a winning record to this point in the season now they lost both games but okay the nfc is basically the big 10 compared to the pros 
No, I'm saying like uh, from a league standpoint, if you wanted to compare them to a league in college football, they're like the Big Ten. They got That's like fair. They AFC got North two, is the Big They got two good right teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I still maintain that you could say the same thing about every conference this year in college football. I mean, look, LSU plays great against everybody I- I- until they're any good. And they got a quarterback that's got video game numbers. They're not any good compared to Alabama and Georgia. And nobody else in that conference is any good besides Alabama and Georgia. Old Miss moved it. Old Miss is a parallel to Penn State. No, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri would be parallel to, to Penn State. And I'd love, I hope, and I pray to God Penn State gets to okay, play Missouri. Okay, but I'm saying, I'm saying, over I the, love I'm, it. I'm saying this year when the season was going on, Ole Miss got to like number nine. Like Penn State's kind of been sitting right there all year long. Yeah. And then when they got a chance to prove it against somebody, they just get completely demolished. Well, that's the same that, thing that, with that, Penn State the, against Ohio State and Michigan. And then the Big 12, I mean, really, you got Texas. And then what do you got? I mean, Oklahoma's okay, but they've lost three games. you got Kansas State, who on any given day can be unbelievable, but they've got two or three losses. you got Oklahoma State, who's playing in a championship game. I mean, are they any good? I don't know. We'll find out. And then out west in the Pac-12, you've got two good teams. you got Oregon and Washington. And that's it. Every one of these conferences is the same thing in the, in the ACC. I don't even know if you have two good teams in the ACC. But clearly the two are head and shoulders above everybody else in the way they played this year in being Florida State and Louisville. I, I always get, as someone, once again, who doesn't have a flag in the college football game, I always find it funny when we do the SEC Big Ten thing where people go, listen, the, the, the Big Ten has propped up by three teams just like the SEC. Well, all right, what are the three teams in the, in, in the Big Ten? It's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and then it's Georgia, um, Alabama, and LSU. Well, let's go ahead and throw one of those teams is not like the other five. Penn State's not even on the same stratosphere as those other five teams, Tom. Dude, for you to say that Penn State is not in the same stratosphere as Missouri, look. I I said LSU. I said LSU. LSU, too. I mean, LSU's defense gives up about 35 points a game. LSU as a program has won three national championships with three different coaches. Read every time we have this conversation, you continue to bring up what happened four years ago? I'm talking about this season today. Alabama and Georgia are head and shoulders above everybody in that league. That LSU winning with Joe Burrow in 2019. Who cares? I'm talking about right now. I'm not right. saying Missouri's okay. not good. I think the point, Who I, cares about 2019? Because that's the last time Ohio State. I think the, the fair point here is like. <laughs> In order to win a national championship with the four-team playoff, usually you're going to have to go through somebody within your league that's going to allow you to get to the playoffs, right? Ohio State last year, for all intents and purposes, they played how many good teams in, they, in, in their league, and they, they lost a game against them, and they still made the playoffs, which is perfectly fine. I'm not here to argue that. But as far as the SEC Big Ten thing, you, you, let's just say the fifth-best team in the league is, is who? Maryland? Is that who it would no, be? No, I would probably say it would be Iowa. I mean, you know, you can laugh right, so at it's, Iowa. So you it's Iowa. I mean, they, the they've lost two team? games all year long. Who's the fourth best team? So let's just say it. Let's just say it is Iowa. Then I would say Iowa would have to play LSU, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's, that's that fast. that's the that's the even match there. And then a leg up from there would be Ole Miss. Maybe you could say it's Ole Miss. So you have Ole Miss LSU versus Iowa. Ole Miss LSU versus Maryland. 
That's that's that that's your middle of the road teams, and then you would have Alabama versus Ohio State, Georgia versus Michigan. You'd have your third best team is going to be Missouri versus Penn State, and I hope Missouri gets to play Penn State because that would be we would be interesting to see. Listen, SEC, they're not nearly as 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 deep as they used to be. It, it's just not that's not the case. The only argument on the other side for the SEC fandom thing would be just be. It doesn't really matter because all you had all the all, all you have to do ultimately is beat somebody to get the playoff. And every year in the SEC, you have to go through Alabama or Georgia. That's right. Well, the the greatest well, thing the point too I'm is making. yeah. Next it's year, every we're year you got to beat one of those two. And right. it's the same thing in the Big Ten. It's the same thing in the in the Pac-12. But this if you're year. Michigan or Ohio State, that's not the same thing. All you really need to do. More Matter of fact, I would make an argument when you stop and look at it the way they set it up and who you play against. Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State every year has to play those two teams. Georgia didn't play this year Alabama during the season. They play them next year. They didn't play LSU during the regular season this year. So give me a break. Who are they playing? Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss. Right. I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. I mean, you know, if you want to play that game, Iowa against LSU, I'd pick LSU to win that game. No doubt about it. But Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, their situations are so much different than Alabama or Georgia because of who you have to play every year. And now that's going to go on steroids next year. Right. Because if you look at Ohio State's schedule the next three, four years, and you can look it up online, they are playing every year, every year from now on, Penn State, Michigan, either Oregon, Washington, all of these teams in the same year, USC, UCLA. I mean, come on now, Daddy. If, if, you, look at, if you look at this last <laughs> run by Georgia, yeah. they don't have to beat anybody to get to the, the, the title game in the, in the SEC. Well, it's going go to go Anybody. Playoff anybody? format, right? Well, the they had to play. They Who did they beat this year? Tennessee. They they beat three ranked teams in the in, okay, in, who in are one they? month. Who are they? They had to beat Missouri, ninth ranked team. Okay, you can roll your eyes. Missouri's Missouri is Penn State. Go ahead. Okay, well they beat Penn State then. Then they turned around and they went to Neyland Stadium and they whopped Tennessee. You, you told me how bad Tennessee was before that game. Yeah, because listen, let, let me be clear when I say this because you get into this argument. Uh, there's two teams in the Big Ten, Tom, that are legit programs, mm -hmm. elite programs. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Michigan. Ohio State. Right. What I think and Penn, State, Penn State's an elite What program. I think that Reed's They're trying an elite to say, program. and what I think is fair, this is the argument that I'd have back, is like, there, you can make the argument that there's six programs in the SEC that can win a national championship within the next three years. You can't even come close Time to out a that second. Anymore. Time out. Hold on. Hold do you on, think LSU? Could no. You? No. No, I do not. Well, Jalen so Daniels is walking out the door. So Brian Kelly. They're going to they're gonna have You're to not play. a Brian Kelly guy? I love Brian Kelly, but here's the problem. They have to beat. They have to beat Alabama. And I don't think they're going to do it. You're, next year, we've seen even with, 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 with Ohio State this year. When you're bringing in a new quarterback... You can have the best offensive minds on the planet. Yeah. But it's a first-year starter in the SEC. Carson LSU Beck. is not going to win a national championship in the next two years. It ain't going to happen. I said, well, three, to be All right, fair. three, like one, not going to happen. And outside okay. of that, if you're going to try to sell me on anybody else in that conference yeah. that could win a national championship, you are out of your mind. Because none of them have ever done it. Missouri's I – mean, Missouri? 
Are you kidding me? They can't even get their best players in state to go to school there. Didn't Auburn win a national championship in the last 10 years? Yep, 10 years. And now look at it. I'm just They're saying. losing their 28-point favorite against a 1AA school and get beat. They have Auburn has won just as many national championships in the last 11 years as the Big Ten has as an entire You're country. exactly right. But again, you keep going back. As I just said 10 well, minutes I mean, ago, that's, that's you keep, see. no, no, no. We are, the conversation, if you were paying attention, was Trace just said there are six teams in the SEC that can win a national championship, and that is unmitigated bullshit. There is no way on God's earth the Florida Gators ain't going to do it. They They're can, not going to no. do it. Now, they the could. SEC, if you were going to include, and I cut you off, if you're going to include Texas and Oklahoma, Coming into the league next year, I'm with you. Those two teams conceivably could win a national championship. Quinn Ewers comes back to Texas. Oklahoma's got their quarterback coming back. But now all of a sudden you've added another layer of teams for Missouri and LSU and whoever else you were going to mention. That they now have to beat those teams to get into the playoff or get into the SEC championship game. LSU, you lose two games a year, you're done. Missouri, LSU, um, Florida, and uh, who was and 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 Ole Miss. You mean to tell me you think those schools are going to lose one game to get into an SEC championship in their conference? Zero chance, none. Now with the 16 teams, you got to be one of the top two, which is another illustration and backs up what I'm talking about, is to say that any more than three teams max, maybe four with, with, with Texas coming in Oklahoma. A&M, a, I know you in don't a like a 16-team playoff, none of those teams are getting there. Missouri, Florida, A&M, none of them. Zero chance to win a national championship. Okay. And right, you just, end up. You get the right guy at A&M, and I got news for you. You got a problem. You got a problem. What have they ever done? But that's the point, Tom, is it's a sleeping giant. Georgia hadn't won a national championship since 1980. You get a competent coach there, and they're gonna, they, they have the odds-on favorite to win three of them in a row. They had to a, win three in a row. They had Georgia had an outstanding coach here for a long time. And they won nothing because yep. Alabama was in the way. Which Mark is precisely Rick what I'm saying about Missouri and Florida and LSU. There are too many other people, and Texas A&M, there are too many other people in the way. It's just too many. So the conference isn't as good because it's too tough? No, no, no. I think you can make it. There's no doubt it's going to get tougher with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Well, the good I'm news saying, is. For anybody to try to tell me that Missouri or, or Ole Miss. <laughs> Come on. The good news is they, good they probably Lord. get to play. Hopefully Missouri and, and, and Ole Miss get to play some bowl games against teams that are relatively what we would consider pretty good. So then we can figure out what we think of them. But the, the good news is, is that all is going to become irrelevant. And that was the thing the other day I said that, that I would be careful of if you're these other leagues is when you allow some of these teams that you think are bad, like Missouri, and you let them in the playoff and they don't have to go to Sanford Stadium and they play a 10-point game against Georgia, you better be careful. Uh, that's you fair. better be that's careful. Fair. That's be fair. When, when, they, when they play a neutral side against Penn State and they win by two scores, then, then it's like, okay, well, maybe we wish that 
that we wouldn't have allowed all these teams in. I don't know. That's my point. Ohio well, State and Michigan I think, I think are the right. only teams that I would consider, in my opinion, in the Big Ten that j- legitimately can win a national championship in the next whatever foreseeable future. Well, I, I, if you're so you're saying that Washington and Oregon would have no chance. No, those are, I'm saying in that league. Well, they're going to be in the league next year, and I, told, I was including okay, yeah, Oklahoma Well, if you're Texas. going to include them, then, then I would say Oregon. I would say Oregon 100. percent Okay, I don't okay. know about Washington. They got Washington's like Indiana. They got Penix Jr. They came in. They're like a you know, whatever. USC. College football talk. All yeah. right, it's 11 o'clock. Um, let's get to some ad reads. Yep. And we're spending the last uh, hour, unless you guys want to finish off anything else here, uh, mm-hmm. talking about the Reds. I think that's great. I mean, Elliot showed up in his lids. Boy, did he. His shirt. I was he ready ironed to that bad boy before he came in. Oh. What a shot that was. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it. Listen, I was, I was, my parents were asking me, hey, Elliot, what do you want for Christmas this year? And I was deciding what I want and what I wanted to get. And it turns out I'm just going to get crawled. And, and we're all going to get crawled, Tom, because we're going to have perhaps a World Series-bound roster after what crawl does here this offseason. It's spectacular. It's absolutely spectacular. And just yesterday, Tom, just yesterday, yes. you were sitting there debating, will the Reds do this, will the Reds do that? They did two things, Tom, within 24 hours. How about that? I know it. It's amazing. Reds are back, baby. Baseball town. Never left. It's a baseball town, Tom. Are you ready to admit it? Uh, no, I'm not. But there are a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, and I understand why. But you guys have been on the bandwagon all along. So I give it up to you. All right, who's starting this? Is this you, Case? Yep, I all got right. it from here. The Bearcat Report with Dan Hoard was brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. Yeah, I was also going to say productivity. Was that right? That was right. That was correct. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And those of you that are longtime watchers, listeners of the program, you know what this is. It's Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water. Some say the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Mm. We have one super chat. Oh, sorry. Get your coffee from UDF, <laughs> bet on Betfred, drink Pawnee water, get your IT solutions from Encore.tech. And yes, you're right. We do have a super Casey, chat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, super chat from Chai Town says, uh, yeah, Trace, figure this out. you get working on my idea yet? I don't know what his idea was, but. I sent an email um, a while back. And uh, to be fair to Chai Town, I've, I'm not, I'm not, I've not done a lot of research on that yet, but. If uh, this is just this would be words of the wise, words of the wise, I think is what I'm trying to say. Uh, if you have that email still, then I would just uh, resend it. That would be a good idea. <laughs> you also suggested that you should start a debate show. Yeah, I think that was the idea. That that was the idea he brought up yesterday. Trace should start a debate show. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I think debates are fun, and I I just I know Tom gets fired up about the whole. What I hate about the whole Big Ten, SEC, you know. Pac-12, Big 12 argument of who's the best conference, this, that, and the other. It's like, no matter what you say, 
you're not changing anybody's minds and you're going to you're just going to turn this into a heated argument in one way or the, or the case when i say the big 10 i don't think is very very good or deep then it's it's an immediate shot towards like ohio states and michigan and maybe you could maybe lump in penn state's legitimacy right like that's the main thing that people take away i don't think that i think if you put ohio state in the sec they're going to compete they're going to they're going to be right there for sec championships you put michigan in there at least the last few years right then i also think that but i also know in the sec similar to what ohio state was in for a while you don't play in a league where Penn State's irrelevant, and when Michigan was irrelevant, you don't play in a league where you just cakewalk yourself to, to basically an undefeated season every single year. And if you, and if, I guess if you think that that's what the SEC uh, East is right now with, with which what Georgia is in, then I could say, okay, well, that's relatively fair. But the problem is on the other side when you go to the SEC championship game is you have arguably the best college football program uh, undoubtedly in the country standing in your way to get to the national championship. That's the argument that is made. But there's no doubt, Ohio State, Michigan, elite college football programs right now. And one of the things, too, is we're going to have these answers coming up. I mean, the 12-team yeah, playoff is going to answer all those questions, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, $10 super chat from Drew Garrison right huh. before uh, Tom came on here. Michigan beat Ohio State football they did. five days ago, making this their third straight win in the historic rivalry. Yes. Any thoughts on that, Tom? No. I mean, I give it up. We had Drew Garrison on the show. They won the game. Man, this guys. year, apparently, fair and square. Yeah, fair and square. Did you see that story that came out yesterday? More, more stuff about the Connor Stallion stuff? Uh-oh. He's bought minimum 12 tickets over the last three years. 12 tickets to, what was the number? To 11 Ohio State football games. Right. And they took the picture of where those seats are. 50-yard line directly across from where you would be getting the signs. Do you, do you, and I know, listen, I'm not here to defend cheating. That's, that's not my take here at all. But I would ask you, Tom, do you, do you think that, uh, that Ryan Day at any point will, will uh, just put up the two middle fingers and play football the way that he plays all year? I wish And he just did. start going for it? I wish Because he did. clearly he's, he's a little, yep. scared, scared's a strong word, Tom. That's a, yep. that's a big word to put in he someone's coach mouth. He coaches scared. He coaches scared right I agree. now. It, it's almost like it's too much weight on his shoulders when he walks into this game. It's I like couldn't agree with you more. way too much on the line in his brain that he gets in a situation it feels like he just decides he's going he's gonna to play very passive uh, or decide to make a passive decision. I said the other day, uh, every other team they play, because there are a lot of teams that are mediocre or less than mediocre at best in the Big Ten. Every other team he plays in the Big Ten, on the opening drive from his own 47, on a fourth down and two, first drive of the game or not, he'd have gone for it. He did the same thing at Georgia. So I, I've watched that Georgia game like five times because it's a glorious game for me to watch. But here's the thing, like, you go back and you watch that. Tom, he completely stalled. They went down the field, to, to, and, and listen, yeah, you can say they're in field goal range for a 50-yard field goal, Tom, but they played so passively. Yep. Instead of trying to push the ball down the field to get within whatever, call it a 20-yard field goal, they, he, he sat on his hands. You're right. He sat on his hands, and he decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't want to make a huge mistake here, so I'm just going to try to sneak my way in the back door. Dude, you will never get me for a second. I'm not one of these guys, and even if it's my team – that I can't be objective about it and look at the shortcomings. There's no doubt about it. 
I don't think the guy should be fired. I think it's a lunacy to think he should be fired. But there is no question about it. If you try to be just objective and you look at the way he coaches against Michigan compared to everybody else, and you look at the way he coached, you're spot on that last drive. When they're going right down the field, he should have taken one or two more shots to make it, a, give it a 35-yard field goal instead of 50-something, whatever it was. No doubt about it. I'm with you. I won't argue about it at all. Not for a second. All right. Onward we go to the Red Legs. Let's start around the room. Elliot, I'll begin with you. Please tell me your thoughts of the Red Legs and their two moves. Yeah, I listen, I think both of them are very good. I, I, I requested that the Reds get a couple relievers to, to, to bolster the bullpen, and that's what they've done here. I think Nick Martinez is going, going to be probably a fifth starter. He's going to – Reed told me before he's going to go back and forth. I would bet – I would – I mean, it depends. I think they're going to go out and get another starter anyway. But as of this moment, I believe he'll at least start the year off as a starter, and we'll go from there. I think the bullpen's damn good as of right now. I think Pagan's damn good. So these are very good moves. This is a very good start from Nick Crawl and the Reds. I didn't expect it, if I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't have a lot of hope that Nick Crawl was going to go out and do this. I was proven wrong. I think both of them are decent contracts. Nick Martinez has the opt-out, which usually they always take that. But to each their own this year, uh, we're going to be good. I think, I think they're going to go out and get one more starter, and I think they're going to get one more right-handed bat. I don't know where, but I think it's going to be a, uh, an outfielder right-handed bat. But this is a damn good start for the Cincinnati Reds. As a Cubby fan, a little concerned? <laughs> Hell no, Tom. Come on, get out of here. Uh, I, I will say this. You know, the, Nick Martinez hasn't started more than 10 games since 2017 yep. before he went in, uh, to Japan and stuff like that. He started 10 games each of the last two years. But if you look at it just what you got on paper, right? You get Nick Martinez for $14 million, You get Emilio Pagan for $6 million a year. That's $20 million tied up into production that was around 180, 190 innings. That's a good starting pitch. Yeah. Like if you want to, if you just want to extrapolate innings pitch and what you get out of two guys, you're paying $20 million for two very productive arms that are going to get you about 180 innings, 190 innings right then and there. So yeah, that's a very good signing. When you got a, when you had the pitching troubles that the Reds had all, all last year, these are two great arms to help bolster that and just get them towards the end of the year. And, and I think... Uh, the, the good thing about Nick Martinez is I don't I don't believe at this very moment that he's going to be a permanent fixture in the rotation, but when inevitably one of the young guys go down, you know it's a long season, an arm's going to go down. This is where Nick Martinez can come in and he can fill a role and you know throw four innings, five innings, and you get a productive arm out of it. So yeah, Trace, you're you're the host, co-host of one of the most popular baseball shows there is out there. I don't know what that that that's Nick Kirby. Um, you are the co-host for <laughs> yeah. Nick Kerr, who will be but in studio, by the way, tomorrow. Soon. We're yep. excited about Reds that. Reds Fest uh, yes. right around the corner. Reds yes. Fest tomorrow. Um, I don't want to sound like I, I, I like keeping it real, right? Like these moves are good moves. These moves aren't like, oh my God, like let's let's right. let's 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 get fired up and go down to Reds Fest. Like we're back, baby. I'm not trying to take away any optimism for people that that that, that want to feel that way. Um, the Pagan kid. And for all intents and purposes, he's Derek Law-ish. Um, I know you might not like to hear that, but that's kind of the way I, I would explain, perceive it to explain be. Explain that. Yeah, explain well, what Well, I mean, Derek Law was a very serviceable arm last year. I wouldn't say he was high leverage a whole lot. They was He was high leverage when they had to make him uh, high leverage. But he, he's not a guy that you're bringing out of the bullpen when you 
when you have a plethora of options, you're not picking him relatively first, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. And I would say he's actually more or less down the middle to the bottom of the pack um, when it comes to serviceable arms and high leverage situations. That's what he is. It's, it's, it's a good signing. I'm not here to downplay it by any means. But, you know, for those that think that, that this is a huge deal, I would just tell you that the Minnesota Twins last year played in a wild card round, uh, a best of three series. They used five relievers, and he was not one of them in the entire series. Yep. He did throw two scoreless innings against the Astros the very next series. So I'm not downplaying it. But, again, I'm not – and I don't know who's really getting out there and saying, oh, if, you know, if – if you're if you're excited for a guy like Sam Mole to come in, you should also be excited for a guy like like Pagan to come in. But again, this is aren't Alexis Diaz walking through the door, and I don't think anyone's saying that. The other side of the aisle uh, with Martinez is a little more interesting because I think that Nick Crawl even said a few weeks ago, Tom, that they were looking for guys that could maybe like you know swing. They could they could uh, they could they could be starters at times, but they also could eat up innings in the bullpen, and that's exactly what he is, right? And I think that that's something to get a little excited about because we need depth. We don't know what we have in the start line, uh, the starting rotation. Yes, we can sit here and name all the names, and we've done it a yeah. thousand times. Go ahead, list all seven of them, and, oh, who's going to get a spot in the starting rotation? Well, it's going to sort itself out. Um, I hope Nick Lodolo figures it out, but they've even said, Nick Lodolo's even admitted that he's frustrated that it's taking longer than he mm -hmm. wanted it to be. He's hoping to be ready by spring training. Yep. I mean, he's hoping to be ready by spring training is not a very that's not no that's not something that I'm nope. getting excited about. So it's nice to know, like Reed said, if a guy gets hurt, this guy can throw four innings to start a game. He can be a he could even be like a, a guy that comes in after an opener, perhaps. You throw a guy for an inning, he goes four or five innings. But uh, but it's, but but if if Tyler Glass now gets signed, then like hey, let's all pack our bags up, go down to Reds Fest and get really fired up about it. That's kind of my point. Uh, for me. Just from a standpoint, because we all know I'm not the baseball expert here in this room, but from a roster construction standpoint, when you look across the teams in many different leagues, they said, yeah, our bullpen was good. Let's make it a strength now. Let's go add to it and make it a true top of the top of the line, top depth in the league. And that's what they did. And I love moves like that across all different leagues. So I think it's a great move. The two moves that they made for bullpen guys, one that could potentially swing, like Trey said, that's great. Those are great moves for the Reds. There's no, that's a great point, Casey. I mean, it's a phenomenal point because that's exactly what they've done. They, they've gone out and they have improved an area of their team, which let's face it, when the season started last year, the bullpen looked like it was going to be awful. And it became a major strength, really, at the end of the day for this yeah. team. Now you're looking to turn it into a completely shut down bullpen. That's what your goal is. Now, the one thing we've all learned about, you know, bullpens, if you're watching up baseball, is, man, you, you really, at the end of the day, and this is every team, this is not the Reds, it's, it's everybody. You are rolling the dice and hoping that guys like, and we joke around a lot about it, okay? But like Sam Mole, he came over last year, right? This guy's been around a while. He's had some good times and not so good times. He threw the ball well when he came to the Reds. Ian Jabot. Ian is what he is. Last year, he took the ball all the time, and by and large, he pitched great. You know, last year, you tried the Ben Livelys and the, and the, uh, the Buck Farmers and those kinds of guys. Well, now you're plugging those holes with potentially Martinez and certainly Pagan. And you're banking on your closer being great again. So, you know, the bullpen is always, in my opinion, always has been the biggest roll of the dice for every team when a season begins. You can think, man, we got a terrible 
And I think all of us thought the Reds had a terrible bullpen going into last year, and they proved it for about a month. And then all of a sudden, they were lights out. And then you can think you got a great bullpen going in the year, and this guy's not quite, that guy's not quite the same. And, you know, and the next thing you know, you're scrambling around. You know, here's the only issue I have, and I brought it up yesterday. I am, I am all in on them making these moves. I didn't see it coming. Uh, Nick Crawl's on his game. We're big fans of Nick Crawl on this program. Huge. Uh, huge, that's right. Big fans. As a guy and as a general manager. But, but here's my thing. That, 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 you know, until they show me otherwise, here's my problem. We brought up with Marty Brenneman yesterday. Okay? Pagan's a reliever. Put him in a bullpen. Martinez is a guy who up until, many of you know his story, you've read about it. But if you don't know it, he was a starter for the Texas Rangers for four years. Okay? He was, you know, some good, not so good. Nobody else wants him. He goes to Japan, and he learns how to throw this, they call it a Vulcan changeup, right? Yeah. You get it like that, I guess is how you hold it, right? From Star Trek. Okay, yeah. right. And so he goes over there, he learns this pitch, and all of a sudden, he is dealing over there in Japan. Padres think, you know what? 30-year-old, 31-year-old guy, let's give him a chance. Let's bring him in here, or whatever he was, maybe late 20s. And they bring him in last year. Most of his starts came early in the season. He made a couple late. He made nine starts total at an ERA of 2-4. The rest of the time, he pitched very well out of the bullpen. There is no doubt Martinez wants to be a starter. And he thinks his best chances of being a starter, getting a chance to start, are right here in Cincinnati. The problem with Martinez is if you're counting on him being a starter, and we don't know. I think he's going to go to spring training with a chance to win a job. You see who's healthy, who's not. I think you pointed out Lodolo. Boy, and I tell you, after listening to an interview with him, uh, it had me very concerned, just the way he's talking, that this guy might be ready when spring training starts, as you just said, Trace. Uh, but that's for another discussion. But again, here, here, here's my problem. We live in a day and age where everybody is bought into, and Tom Verducci is the guy who gets credit for this and research with Tommy John and all this kind of thing. And when you bring a guy back or, 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 or you have a young starting pitcher, you only want to increase their workload from an inning standpoint anywhere from 10 to 15% from the year before. They have stretched this. They proved it last year with Andrew Abbott, and he proved why you don't. I'm not suggesting they should baby these guys because that's what it's turned into. And David Bell is the ultimate captain hook. But you basically have a staff as it, as it stands right now. And again, good for them for these moves. It's awesome. They're spending money. They're going out and try to build a better team. But they have an entire rotation as we sit here today. And it's why I would have nothing to do with Tyler Glass now. I would have nothing to do with him because he would fill the, the, the same criteria which I'm about to say. You have an entire starting rotation full of guys who are going to be on an innings limit count for this season because not a single one of them, outside of Brandon Williamson, not a single one of them did not spend time on the injured list. Lodolo basically missed the whole year. Hunter Green basically missed half the year. Andrew Abbott, he, he was done. He was done. 
They tried to push it. Ashcraft, two years in a row, injured list. Shut her down. And now Martinez pitched 120 innings last year. The most you're going to get out of him probably this year, 165, maybe. I don't know, but that's my only concern. You can't have starting pitchers. If you're going to win, you can't have starting. You can say, well, that's the way the game has changed. The game has changed. But go out and look at the teams who were playing deep into October this year or early November. Most of them had at least two or three guys that you could count on giving you six or seven. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it, we, we've talked about the Diamondbacks and, and the, um, the parallels and, and the, the, the contrast between the, the Reds and the Diamondbacks. And the, the biggest contrast was that they had two guys that were frontline starters that pitched the majority of the year. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> you got to be healthy, right? You gotta, you yeah. gotta, if, if you don't have a healthy roster, what's it, what's it all worth? What's it all worth? I will say this about the Emilio Pagan signing, Tom. Yes. Um, you, you look at relief pitchers, and you look at what the Red, where the Reds play their games. Emilio Pagan gets has a very high fly ball rate. Yes. And if you look at the the Reds pitchers that were successful last year, they have strikeout rates or they hit the ball on the ground. Not a whole lot of fly ball rates. So it'll be interesting to see how Emilio Pagan um, translates a high fly ball percentage. At Great American Ballpark, as we all know, that's that's not a, that's not a winning recipe more often than not. But yeah, all the points you made were, were absolutely valid. Yeah, and I saw it yesterday. And by the way, everybody, please like the stream. Get in there and like the stream for us. Uh, the the main the main thing here is that the Reds are trying. I'm not going to fault the Reds for trying to go out and get Tyler Glass now. Because makes it's, the team better. Makes the team better. It, 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 uh, it, yes. It 100% yes. makes the team better. I'm not worried about a guy going five innings, six innings. One of the names that was being thrown out was Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray goes five innings every time. Rarely does he go seven innings. So I, I, and, and with, with the way baseball works now with analytics, it's very rare for pitchers to consistently go seven innings, I'd say. Very rare. I'd like six innings. Of course, a quality start's great. And I think we got that for uh, at least a sizable amount of starts from Graham Ashcraft and from Hunter Green last year uh, when they were healthy, of, of course, Andrew Abbott as well. But no, I, I, I'm not going to fault the Reds for going out and get Tyler Glass now. I, I think it, it shows that the Reds are trying to win. It makes the team better. It's the one issue that you can argue right now that the Reds need to fix. They had a, a what is this, six ERA last year, the starters did. Yep. Get that down to four and you have a team that can win a lot of games. No doubt. And I know it was the offense. And that's the other part of this that we're not going to talk about here. The offense was a serious issue down the stretch. A serious issue down the stretch. Ellie De La Cruz forgot how to hit a baseball. And there's a bunch of other guys that did too. So if we can go out, we can get a, we can get a, a right-handed bat or any bat. I'll take any bat. I don't care if he's right-handed or left-handed. Give me a bat. Give me an everyday player that can hit, hit a baseball, and we're going to be fine. Because it does go both ways. Reed said it's a pitcher's park or it's a uh, hitter's park. Go out and get a couple hitters. Go, couple, go, go get a couple batters. I don't need any more Kevin Newmans. If you want to go out and get a couple of them, that's fine. We need, we need some depth because God knows we're going to get hurt at some point during the season. But if we can go out and get a couple, a couple of bats as well as arms, this team's going to be damn good. And it's a, it, this is a very winnable division. This is the most winnable this division's been in a long time. A long time. The Brewers are gone. Really? The, you the, think that? Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I think the Cubs, Cardinals, and Reds are pretty even. I think I think it's I think it's a pretty even race to first place. The Pirates are a joke. I say that with no love and no respect. And then the Brewers have lost everything. So I I, I think if you're gonna go, if you're gonna make a run for it, do, keep doing what you're doing now. They're they're going out and getting guys. This, these won't be the last signings. 
They're doing. They're they're taking the right first step, and that's what Nick Kroll has done. Here. I, I think this is the most competitive the NL Central's been in a long, long time. I could legitimately see all four of the five teams winning the NL Central, and I could see, and I see, I could see all five making the postseason. I, you, you could you could laugh about the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not too far away. They're not too far away. So I I completely disagree with you saying that this it is it is one of the easiest divisions in, in Major League Baseball, but it's it's the most competitive it's been possibly in my lifetime. Well, yeah. you know, the, the thing is, is that when you look at the Central, okay, I, I, I mean, the Brewers lost their manager, and they had Woodruff hurt, and he's going to miss the year. But they still have Corbin Burns. Now, maybe they'll trade him. They still have Peralta. I mean, they're not a disaster. The Pirates have a good young system, but the Pirates are never going to do what the Reds did yesterday. That's, that's fair. It's never going to happen. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they've spent a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I mean, Lance Lynn, he, he didn't get me all that excited. Uh, the Gibson guy, I mean, I've seen him pitch, I don't know how many times in person. That guy is more than hittable. And, and the Cardinals were awful last year. Their defense is brutal. Yeah, for the first time. Their offense stinks. They're older on the corners now. You know, I keep hearing about all these great young players they have. Where were they last year? I don't look at the Cardinals as being anything special. I'm not saying the Reds are either. And I look at the Cubs and I say to myself, oh, wait a minute now. This was a team that totally collapsed down the stretch. Mm -hmm. They've lost their best offensive player, at least for the time being, in Cody Bellinger. They've lost the guy who was if not their best pitcher, at least for a couple of months, he was their second best pitcher the whole time he was sure, healthy. Sure, sure, right? Certainly. Stroman. Yep, yep. Okay, so, you know, I look at the Cubs and I'm like, hey, I mean, what have they done? They hired Craig Council, but we ask that question all the time around here. Are you better than when the season ended last year? And when the season ended last year, the Cubs were in total collapse mode and had Cody Bellinger. They're not better. The Reds and the Cardinals have tried to get better. Now, you can say the, the, the Cubs tried to get better by getting Craig Council. But they haven't done anything as far as personnel player moves to get better. They will. They will, yeah. But I think, I think the Reds have a huge trade left in them. But here's my question for you. Because you followed this and did Chatterbox Reds, Chatterbox Reds all year long. Here's, here's a question that I have. I read the other day, and I don't remember where I read it, where there was conversation about what it might take to make this trade with Tampa Bay to get Glass now. And maybe the outfielder. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Rosarena. Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena. There was a proposed deal that if that's the trade you made, to get Glass now and him, what would you have to give up to make that happen? Okay? Mm -hmm. These were four legitimate players in the Reds' farm system. You had Marte in there. You had a couple other guys in there. And, and you know, that's what it would take. And all the response to that was, I'm all in on making that deal. Tell me the difference between being all in on that deal in July, as opposed to being all in on that deal in November or December. What is the difference? 
And I, you could have helped yourself get in the playoffs making yeah, that deal. Like, I, now, Tampa Bay wouldn't have done it. They were in the hunt. Because I think it's desperation. I think the Rays would have known we were desperate and they would have asked for more. I, 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 think, I think trades are vastly different in the offseason than they are in the regular season. I, I, I think the value goes up when you need something right now. And that's what it was during the regular season. And, and, and I still don't understand. I, I don't know what arm would have put the Reds. What, was the, what, what the difference would have been at the deadline to get the Reds in the postseason? Well, everybody says that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got finished saying a minute ago, the starting pitcher's ERA was over six the last two months. All they needed to do was win two more games. You could have basically found a warm body that would give you a chance. I mean, that last game of the year, who started the last game of the year? Was it Phillips? Yeah. Okay. He was the one who lost it. Well, I think Hunter Green, Hunter Green started the last game of the year. Connor uh, Phillips. The second to last when they still had a fighting chance. Okay. And this Phillips may turn out to be you know, uh, Bob Gibson. I have no idea. Everybody thinks he's going to be great. You know, again, we'll see. The guy didn't get an out. Yeah. That now, was you can just say it's a bad day. I mean, he faced six batters. He walked four of them, gave up five, six runs. Yeah, that was a problem. Okay, but I, the point I'm making is, is that those were the guys you were running out there. You mean to tell me you couldn't have found one pitcher without giving up the farm? Even if it was Lorenzen who wasn't even on the postseason roster. Yeah, Kelly I, got him for basically nothing. You mean to tell me that guy couldn't have helped you win two more games just to get in? You could have, but again, I would argue at that moment that one of the biggest issues the Reds had at, that, at the deadline moment, at the moment with the deadline, I would say one of our biggest issues was hitting at that time. Yes. The Reds did go out and sign Harrison Bader and, and uh, Hunter Renfro. I know it didn't work, yeah. but it, they did try. I mean, it's not like they could have, they could have sat on their hands and not gotten, out, gotten those guys. I don't know if it ever came out if we put in waivers for some of the other guys at that moment too, but I would bet Nick Crawl. Like I think Trace said it during last the middle of last season, they probably didn't know fully what this team was, and they were not going to risk everything at that moment for the season. And I agree with Tom to a certain degree because if you ain't, if you're not going to try, what are we doing? At some point, you just have to try. But I think, and you're seeing it right now, with Nick Crawl. I think he made the right choice. I think the Reds are going to be good this year. I think the Reds are going to go out and sign a bunch of people. We're not done yet. We, I think Jonathan India, from every report that I've read, is going to be traded. So if you can trade India for a starter, you can trade India for X, for that. I don't think they would ever trade Noelvi Marte, God willing. I, that, that would be horrible. No. But it, it, I, I, as of right now, you're, to answer your original question, the desperate teams know you, the Reds would have been desperate. They would have given them anything, right? You need a starter, right? You want to try to make the playoffs? Give us everything you have. That's the difference. When we're in the offseason and nobody's any, everybody's 0-0 zero and zero right now, it's, it's a little easier to make a deal done level-headedly. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, listen, going back to last year, it's a, it's a, simple, it's a simple concept. Uh, the Reds got themselves – if you wanted to get upset at the front office, Tom, and, I, and this is a fair point, and this is the one that the other side of the aisle, the, the ones that, that, that are always yelling about uh, sell the team, Bob, and those types of things – there's their fair argument is that this front office severely underestimated the type of production they were going to get out of these young guys at the beginning of the year. And they decided, you know what, let's, and you can say whatever you want and they will never admit this down there, uh, at, at Joe Knox all what, but they basically said, you know what, we're not going to be competitive this year. 
let's we're not going to go out and spend a bunch of money on a bunch of guys that are really are really not going to help us get over the hump anyways we're, what are we going to win 70 games and said we're going to win 75 now mm-hmm. who cares that was the miscalculation because they brought up some of these young guys and they overperformed whether they overperformed or they're just that good we'll we'll find out mm-hmm. won't we and that's the part of this that we can sit here and say oh the reds need to go out and do this in the offseason and that in the offseason i'm gonna tell you right now what has a chance to make the reds good or not and it's got Maybe, maybe they can make one move this offseason that will help them out tremendously, and I think that they might. But the fact of the matter is this. Is Matt McClain going to be better? Right. Is Ellie De La Cruz going to be better? Is Spencer Steer going to be the same type of player we had last year? Is Noel Ve Marte going to make a step forward? Yeah. Is, is a guy like Fernando Cruz, who everybody wants to laugh about, does he become a huge high-leverage arm? Is, is Lucas Sims continue to be a high-leverage arm? These are the question marks. Well, TJ and they have, Antone come back. They have nothing to do with whether or not Nick Crawl goes out and trades for this guy or that guy. If you want to take a chance, and if you think that you're ahead of schedule, and you want to go and take a chance on Tyler Glass now and give up a couple prospects, I would say if Nick Crawl believes in his heart that that's a good move, then I'll just trust that until I see otherwise. Because at this moment, Nick Crawl has made an executive decision that they are not going to budge, and they're not going to give in on what they believe in. And what they believe in is from building from within. Because that's the only thing that can matter. That's the, I hate to be this guy, and sometimes it's, it's a little demoralizing when you are a smaller market fan. Because the truth of the matter is, this front office has to hit 90% of the time on what they do. They can't go out and mask a significant decision they made by going out and spending $100 million again. Yeah. They can't do it. So, Tom, I think to your point, Nick Crawl is very hesitant to give away the petties of the world. He's very hesitant to give away the Connor Phillips of the world to, to, to get a chance of, of maybe being in the wild card. Because the truth is, is yes, they could have made a run and been like the Diamondbacks. And I'm not downplaying that they, that they shouldn't make moves in the middle of the year. But the only real way this team will, will look like the, the, the Braves, and you could make the argument you don't need to be the Braves to win the World Series or the Dodgers to win the World Series. But, the, but my point to you, Tom, is... The only way for you to look at this Reds team and for you to say, I think this team's the best damn team in baseball, is if all of those guys that we sit here and say, well, should they get rid of this guy or that guy? They end up being superstars. And maybe you can extend one or two of these other guys, but don't be surprised when they let Matt McClain's and the L.A. De La Cruz's and the Nuelve Martes just go through arbitration, they pay them, but then they hope to God that they've been recycling the farm system and they just bring someone right back up. The Astros... They did it with, with, with Carlos Correa. And you can say whatever you want about Correa. He's a great player. But they're not missing him a whole lot, Tom. And you can make the case that's a great move that the Astros made. They didn't tie up a bunch of payroll in a guy that they're not getting a whole lot of production out of. They, they just replaced him. And I'm not saying that everyone's replaceable, Tom. But more times than not, getting a guy on a 10-year contract and it working out on the back half of the year is not a very good high proposition trade for the Reds. And I know that doesn't mean that... They should go out and spend money like they have been, Tom. Spend $25 million on a one-year deal. Because you're not going to get crushed by it in 10 years. Right? Like, that's, that's what the Reds have to do moving forward. One to two-year deals, and you move on. I know you guys don't like to hear this. The only thing that I would be maybe bought in on is Matt McClain and or Ellie De La Cruz. And you risk it a little bit. And you can say whatever you want about Ellie. But if you risk it and you give that guy some money, Tom, and if he's what everyone wants him to be... yeah. Then you have a superstar player at your level that you can pay and afford. You're never going to go get Shohei Otani after he proves himself. You're never going to go get Ellie De La Cruz after he proves himself. That's right. So you have a risk. It's a risk-reward ratio. It's buying stocks. 
It's literally what it is right now. It is. And, and that's what the Reds have decided to do. They're not going to go and buy, you know, some major stock for a ton of money when they're not sure that it's going to be a good buy in the long run. All right, so if you're a betting man, we'll go around the horn here because I think the Reds are just getting warmed up on this offseason thing. I think Castellini's made it very clear, if you believe all the national guys that were at the owners' meeting and that kind of thing, and agents that talked to those writers said that, you know, that, that, that the ownership group here in Cincinnati's made it very clear they're willing to spend money. We've just seen evidence of that in the last 24 hours. Now, um, you, you look at the landscape as far as pitchers are concerned, starting pitchers. Not a lot of big guys out there, or not a lot of guys out there, they're going to pay the, the, the $25 million one-year deal. Because pitchers know in this market, they're highly coveted. I mean, look at Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, God bless him. Good dude, good pitcher, good career, great year last year, everything else. Sonny Gray, uh, three years, $75, $80 million. That's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money for a 30-something-year-old. The Reds are not going to do that kind of deal. They're not. Because there are going to be too many other teams that, that will make that kind of deal and pay those kinds of pitchers. So I think their next big move is going to be a big deal involving a starting pitcher. Now, I don't know if that's Bieber. I don't know if that's Glass now. Maybe it's somebody completely out of left field that we're not even thinking about. But when, when you guys talk about, because you guys watched it a lot more than I did, to be completely honest with you. I, you know, I, I watched some of it. When you look at their team offensively, we're going to take away everything in the, in the infield because they've got legitimate players there at every position, okay? Behind the plate, they've already signed Maley. You know, is Stevenson on the trade block? I don't know. We'll find out. But I want to go to the outfield for a minute because it seems as there is where you read the most that they need to go get this bat, okay? All right. You've got Strand, who's a power bat that's a right-handed hitter, Right? Yeah. You've got McLean, who's a right-handed hitter. You've got Steer, who's a right-handed hitter. Yep. Correct? Mm-hmm. All right. And your catcher is a right-handed hitter no matter who you play. All right? And your DH on any given day, depending righty-lefty, would be a right-hander against a left-hander or, you know, unless it's some regular everyday stud. But last year, you guys watched Friedel have an excellent year. Benson started off terrible, sent him to the minor leagues, brought him back. When Fraley was here, we all agreed – Guy played great, man. Hits a big home run, drove in a lot of big runs. Who are you replacing in that group? I mean, because are you going to tell Benson he's a platoon guy? Well, I think you you, you use the DH spot for for that for that spot. You have Jake Fraley, who is very bad against left-handed pitching. Yes. Very bad. He cannot play against lefties. Will Benson the same deal? He can't play against lefties. You have TJ Friedel, who's an everyday center fielder, and you got Spencer Steer over and left, and he will platoon as he pleases. Uh, I would, I would, as of right now, I'd, I'd sign that bat. I'd play him in right field against any left-handed pitching. And then when he's not available, he goes to DH. Or when the, uh, when the, when the right-handed pitcher comes in, he moves to DH is what I would do. And I think Jorge Soler, and I know we've thrown that name out there, but I think that's a perfect fit. He can, he can do both. He, he, he'd play right field when he's needed, and then he moves to DH when Jake Fraley or Will Benson's available. And it's not wrong to have Will Benson or Jake Fraley coming off the bench either. So I, I'll take as much depth as I can find. It, when it's the eighth inning and I need a pinch hitter, I'd rather have Will Benson, Jake Fraley, than Kevin Newman. So I, I'll, I'll take as much depth. I, the, the depth thing, it doesn't matter. You're not replacing these guys per se. You're just utilizing them a different way. The Reds were successful on offense because David Bell utilized the platoon. 
As Trace called it, it was the big red platoon. So I no, I you're not replacing him, right? You're just you're just moving him around. Well, Solaire would be a guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's a free agent. Yeah, correct. Right. Sign so you just money. You just got to pay. Yeah, him. That's right. That's just a money deal. And we talked about yesterday that, you know, if you look at the handful of guys they have going into arbitration this year, uh, and the money that they're going to make, and it's not a ton because you don't have one of those guys that's going to jump from, you know, two million to twelve million. And there, that will happen soon with the McLeans and the De La Cruzes and all that kind of thing. But it ain't now. Right. Uh, that their payroll will be right around 40, 45 million. Last year, well up over 100 million. So yeah. does that mean that they're actually going to go spend 60, 65, 70? These two deals add up to 22. Eight, year, eight million for Pagan, 14 for Martinez. There's two ways to go about this, in my opinion, if you're Nick Kroll, Tom. And I don't know which one's right, if we're being completely honest. But you can go out and try to 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 to, to either overpay a short-term deal on somebody. And like I said, overspending short-terms. Like Solaire. On someone like Solaire. Yeah. Or people might not like this, but or you can try to figure out what you have. And then if you're, if you're within the hunt at the deadline, you can then hopefully find somebody that, that is, is having a poor season a la the, the New York Mets who have pieces that, that then you want to go spend some money on and you can just buy them basically. You can just pay off a little bit of their salary and you can give them maybe a prospect or two away. And at that point, you, get, you, you then get a little bit of time to figure out what holes you actually have because – the thing that sucks about this Reds team, and, and, and no one wants to talk about it, maybe I will, is that you just don't know what you have. And I know people think, oh, Trace, you're being toxic, you're being pessimistic. You just don't know. Will Benson might be an all-star. He, right. might, he might literally I'll, not even be on this team that's right. on the all-star, at the all-star and, break. And, 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 I have and, no and clue, Tom. Nick Kroll has already said that about the young players. Not all of them are guaranteed a spot on this team. And it, you have no idea, Tom. So like to sit here and think, oh, man, concrete. We, we know what we got. I... I I love the Reds as much as anybody. You just don't know what you got yet. And and I would before you go out and you spend twenty five million or, or whatever whatever it would be on a specific need, I don't know if Nick Crawl's ready to do that or not. You know, I don't know. I think and everybody always gets upset when people say this, Tom, because we've we've gone twenty years without winning shit. So it is tough to listen to. But, you know, when is the right time to really push the chips in the middle of the table? And you could make the case that this offseason really genuinely is probably not it. If Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McLean and Spencer Steer and Noel V. Marte end up being studs this upcoming season, you can go into the next season thinking, well, I got two years with these guys. I've seen what they have. Now it's time. It's time to push the chips in the middle of the table and start spending some real money. But to be fair, $40 million on a major league payroll. Come on. I mean, you can spend some money. Like, there's some money to be spent here, too. They, well, they, I mean, they've spent it just yesterday. They like have. I said, they added, they added uh, uh, 14 and 8. They added $22 million in two players to their payroll. They're trying. They're, they're trying as of right now, yeah. They're I, trying. And, and they need to keep trying. They need to <laughs> well. keep trying. You don't get a pass because, and again, I, I know Trace used that example. You don't get a pass because you don't know what you have. You have to spend something. So I, I, we can't have a payroll at $60 million and, and well, that's say. that's not going to happen. And say, well, we're trying, right? Right. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You have to spend money, like he just said. So, I'm not a, nobody. Nobody in Cincinnati, nobody in their right mind believes the Castellinis will go out there and spend three hundred million dollars. Nobody's asking for it. Nobody wants it. It's not going to happen. I'm asking for a little bit of help, and that's what they've done so far. So I'm not going to bash on them right now because they've done they've done their job. The Castellinis have opened up the book there, and they've paid a couple of guys. I want a couple more. Tom, That's fun, all I ask. Tom, fun question for you that I that I would genuinely get everybody's answer, I guess. But 
would you rather the Reds be of a mindset where they start trying to do what the Braves did and they extend some of these young guys before they're before they're truly proven and you try to get them on a great deal like Acuna is for the Braves? Or would you rather just say, hey, <laughs> this sucks, but we're going to be – we're basically be similar to, the, to maybe the Rays or someone. We're just – we're just going to let these guys get up to arbitration, make trades, and we're just going to keep on cycling guys in and out, and we're not going to get ourselves into like a, again, no disrespect to Homer Bailey's of the world or Mike Moustakis' of the world, but we're not going to get ourselves into any more of those contracts ever again. We're going to just rinse and repeat. Would you rather the Reds in this offseason go get Tyler Glass now, spend a bunch of money, or would you rather them extend a guy like uh, Matt McClain? Because okay. you could argue that that's two ways to spend your money. You can extend your guys – or you can go out and just keep getting guys on one, two-year deals. We talked about this yesterday. There was no reason for the Reds to give Hunter Green that contract. There was no reason whatsoever. Mm. You could have waited a year, one year, and you'd have gotten him for the same price as you would have a year ago. He would have still signed the same contract today that he signed this time last year. He didn't even have a full year of big league service time. When people start throwing around the names of Acuna and Ozzy Albies and these guys, let's don't go off the reservation here. 21 years old was Ronald Acuna Jr. in 2019. 21 years old. Hit 41 bombs. Knocked in 101 runs. He played in 156 games. His on-base percentage was 370, and he hit 280. Pat McLean had a nice year. It ain't that year. Ailey De La Cruz, you, you can sit and wait. The point I'm making is there is such a dramatic difference of their initial impact in the big leagues right away where th th there was no debate about Acuna. Even the year before when they brought him up, at 20 years old, he played in 111 games, had 30 doubles, 26 bombs, drove in 64, hit 293 with an on-base percentage of 370. As barely out of his teenage years. Okay? Now, you know, now you got the best player in the game. But all I'm saying is, is that the Reds, they can wait through this year, as you point out, to find out what you got. Because even then, you don't have to go to arbitration with McLean or De La Cruz or Marte or Steer. You will not go to arbitration with any of those guys because they don't have enough service time this time next year. So let's just see what you got. And then if you want to make, I'm all in favor of locking guys up. If they prove to you that, that you know, they're, they're going to be really good for the long run, I'm all in favor of locking them up like the Braves did not only for Acuna but Ozzie Albies. The Indians were the first team to do that. Many people forget that. When the Indians back in the mid-90s, John Hart, the general manager, they were the first team to come up with this. A lot of people were like, oh, the Braves are the smartest guy in the room. John Hart was doing this stuff in 1992 when they had Roberto Alomar, Manny Ramirez, Richie Sexton, Sandy Alomar Jr. list goes on and on and on. Kenny Lofton, on and on and on and on. Team that got to two World Series, couldn't get over the hunt, lost both of them in seven games because they couldn't pitch. But offensively, the scariest team on the planet in the last 35 years of baseball were those Indians teams in the 1990s. Joey Bell, 
Albert, Joey Bell. So they signed them all. You got to wait. They got to prove it. Here's the, here's the question for you, though, Tom. Would you rather be wrong about Hunter Green? You're paying him $3 million. Craig said it in the chat. You're paying him $3 million this year. Would you rather be wrong and pay him a little amount of money for the chance of him being good, or would you rather wait, take the chance, have him be a stud, and not be able to pay him, and then everybody has the same issues with why aren't you paying him? What, what, I, what I said was is I have no problem signing him. I said I would have waited one uh, year. He has proven correct. nothing. But, that, I, but that's a little hindsight driven. driven. You're still going to get yes. him. You're still – if the guy wants to be here, you are still – but basically, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, here's what happens. If you get a young player – and after two years in the big leagues, you decide, you know, like the Braves did with Albies, basically a year and three quarters, and the same with Acuna. You go to a young player and you say, okay, here's the deal. Players can start to go to arbitration between their third and fourth seasons, okay? So three years, they go to arbitration between three and four, four and five, five and six, and then free agency after six. So what you're doing is you're going to them and saying, hey, look, you got to roll the dice a little, and I got to roll the dice a little, okay? So this is what the decision Hunter Green had this time last year. They came and said, Hunter, you know, if you want to keep pitching, and in two years from now, you'll have the ability to go to arbitration, which if you start walking the path till he gets to arbitration, say he's making a million dollars by the end of his third year, and say he's really good, he's got a chance to go from like one million to like eight million in one offseason. You're going to Hunter Green. You're saying, Hunter, we believe in you. We don't want to get to arbitration. We don't want to get there the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year. We don't want you going to free agency after the sixth year. But we're going to roll the dice on you by spending five times the amount, if not more, for year two, year three, year four. Now, year five and year five, six is where the deal now starts to – the pendulum swings back to the club's favor if, indeed, he's a good player. But the player makes out like a bandit on the front three or four years on this contract. So all I'm saying is it's Hunter Green, based on being hurt half of last year – and you didn't know it at the time, but he was also hurt the year before. So to answer your question in a very long-winded way, and I apologize, is that – you could have had Hunter Green on the same deal this winter. You've already lost one year now on that deal. You already lost one year. It's fair. Okay. Now, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I'm just saying, based on the year before where he was hurt half the season, I would have waited on that contract. Just like I would wait this year, the first full year in the big leagues. Everybody forgets now. The only guy of all these young players that played the full year at the big league level was Steer. He's the only one. The rest of them came up during the season. McLean, De La Cruz, Marte, Strand, Encarnacion Strand. So why not wait? I think the, 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 the only pushback you're going to get, Tom, on that is just the hindsight. I mean, that's the part. And you mentioned it. So it's, you're right. I mean, if the Reds would have known, hey, this guy's going to get hurt and he's not going to have a productive season, then we could probably wait for next year and save the little bit of money that we would have saved in the first place. Um, but the opposite, the opposite pushback you're going to get on that, Tom, would be 
they didn't do that before he was they they didn't do that while he was hurt and if he would have gone out there and looked like he did against the twins which this is very hypothetical i get it but my point to you would be at the end of the year when he was when he was just shoving right down the twins face and he went whatever it was eight innings of two hit ball if that would have been more of the norm throughout the rest of the year you lose Hunter Green. You're not. You're not. You're not getting a chance to sign that deal again. It's over. Because, uh, you know what? Because you, if you look again, at the starting right. pitching, if you look at how much money these guys are making, I mean, we just signed Martinez to to, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but dude, that's that twenty six million dollars for two years. That's a lot of money. That's about as much money yeah, as you, Hunter Green's going to get. You're taking out. You're taking out the the decision that the player has to face here. And for some people, like Craig in the chat, chat, Craig, you're right. Paying Hunter three million last year, six million this year, eight million the following year, then you jump to fifteen and sixteen million. Okay, what, what you're not understanding here is Craig, and, and you're spot on what you said. You said with the starting pitchers' contracts we're seeing now, are you telling me that that's a bad? Con I didn't say it's a bad contract. I never said it's a bad contract. I said before I'm going to pay it, I got to see it. And for somebody else in the chat who just said to me. He's our ace. What does he have to prove? Yeah. David, proven nothing, question mark? He's the clear ace on the staff. If you get what you got out of Hunter Green the first two years of his big league career, you don't have an ace of anything. His potential is there. Seems like a great kid. Don't go crazy on this stuff. Please. But the, the, the point is, I was going to say, Trace, is you always have to, you just can't consider what the team is going to pay for starting pitchers on the free agent market when you're making these decisions. That's part of it. But you're going to the player, a young person who's 21 years old, and you're saying, hey, man, I'm guaranteeing you $100 million over the next seven years. And you've made a total of 20 starts in the big leagues. There is a reason why you see players like Ronald Acuna Jr. Because if he hit the free agent market right now, he'd make more than Otani. I don't know about that, but yeah. He'd be in the ballpark. He'd be, yeah, he'd be, he'd he'd be the be second highest paid guy behind Otani. He's, yeah. he's, he's the MVP of the league, and so Correct. is Otani. Those Correct. are the two MVPs of the league. Correct. And I don't think Otani's going to get what everybody thinks because he can't pitch next year. That's a big part of his game if okay. you're bringing him in. Uh, he's, if he can't right. pitch, he's just another guy that swings a bat. And truth be told, Acuna Jr. is a better offensive player than Shohei Otani. He's a better all-around offensive player. It's not even close. Not even close. Otani might hit a few more home runs. Acuna's running the bases like a madman. Yeah. He's a better offense. Oh, I'm, I'm drifting. The point is, is that when you come to these young guys, there's a reason why these young men sign these contracts. is because that's what you're saying to them. And the smart agent will say, hey, dude, you know, I, I know, I know if we don't sign that here after your second year, which Hunter Green just did. Oh, and by the way, those two years, you haven't been able to make 25 starts in any season. And they're offering you $100 million over the next seven. He'd have taken the deal again this year. You're right, and I guess that's the whole crux of the thing is that if he, if he but if, but if he would have gone out and right. thrown an like a like an all star sure. like an all star arm, which we didn't know, and that's what the Reds are banking on. That's that that's the whole crux of what the Reds' position's in. There, and that's that that's the difference between you could say 
the Cincinnati Reds and the New York Yankees or the Chicago Cubs or, or the Dodgers is that, you know, they're like, okay, we'll extend this guy. And if it doesn't work out, okay, who cares? We'll keep moving. That's the Reds can't quite do that. Um, but Tom, I, I think ultimately the Reds have a decision to make this offseason. Where do they prioritize their money? Do they yep. want to spend money against, uh, do they want to go and overspend or whatever term you want to use? Do they want to pay market value for free agents on one to two year deals? Or do they want to invest all the money they're saving right now? If you want to call it that, 44 million payroll, that's saving a whole lot of money for a major league baseball team. Do they want to just invest that into this young core of guys before they're you know, holistically proven and they're just going to risk it on the front end of hoping to have guys like Ellie, Marte, McLean for an extended period of time yep. for a price point they think they can afford. But if they miss on those, Tom, we've seen what happens. And I'm not saying they're going to miss on them. Like I said, though, we were in here yesterday and all of us were talking mm -hmm. about this same topic. The only one of them I would even remotely consider maybe halfway through this year, if he's proven it again, of giving him a, a team-friendly deal for four or five years would be Steer and then McLean in that order. Really? Yeah, because De La Cruz, I mean, there are so many holes in his well, I was game. saying McLean, I would take McLean over Steer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm McLean. saying, but they're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's so many holes in De La Cruz's game. And he might turn out to be the next Ronald Acuna. But there are so many holes. Swing and miss holes. Defensive holes. At putting the ball in play holes. There's the spectacular. But when the clean and steer, you get the steady as she goes. No doubt. Right? And that's what you want if you're a small market team. It's nice to have the, 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 you know, the, the cherry on top of the sundae. But right. you want the guys that, that are the base the vanilla ice cream at the bottle of that Sunday. Does that make sense? It, it certainly does. I, I think it's fair to, to listen. I know that there are a plenty of fans that love Ellie De La Cruz. And I'm certainly one that thinks that, and I marvel at what he can do on a baseball field. It is incredible. But at the same time, you know, you, 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 is, is the risk worth the reward? It's what every single one of us do in our, on our everyday lives. That's for the right. Most part, right. I mean, when you bought your house, you, 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 rationalized if is this is this gonna be a good part of the neighborhood or am, am i gonna like this in five ten years from now those are the types of decisions the reds are making on a much different level yes but it's not rocket science it's a it's a matter of what philosophy you believe in and i think that this reds fan base got a little off kilter a little off topic when they acted like this franchise has never spent money they they just made bad deals they missed and you can't miss when you're a small market you That's can't right. sign Mike Musakis and get the production out of him that you got. You can't sign Homer Bailey. God love him, but you can't do that and think that you're going to be able to compete uh, with the rest of the league when you're when you're aiding contracts like that. We just got King Griffey Jr. Of, uh, and you know what? I love King Griffey Jr. And that was great for the city, Tom. But if you could do it all over again, if we're being honest, that's a terrible deal for the Reds. It, well, it, it, just, it was when all was said and done. When but all, it, but, when but all is said and done. Yes, when all is said and done. And that's easy to say on the hindsight is my point. Like, you just... It's tough to justify what this franchise wants to do or doesn't want to do based off of decision-making. They want to win. I mean, and I have continued to say that. They want to win. And they've, they've realized, I think, and Nick Crawl, I think, is selling this, this vision. That is, hey, if you want to win, we're going to have to do it a little bit different than what you, the way you've been doing it. And this fan base is not going to love that at all times because ultimately, at the end of the day, Tom, they're not going to make those trades at the deadline until Nick Crawl, in my opinion, thinks that he's got a chance to win the whole damn thing.
and they may never. They and, may never. And, and look, just for the record, somebody brought it up in the chat, and I wanted to get to this today, and, and, and we're going to be here right at the end before we say bye. You know, somebody brought up, what about what the Brewers are doing with this Jackson Chorio? They're giving him the largest contract ever given to a 19-year-old player. He has never played a single day in the major leagues. Not one. He played in six games last year at Triple A. Okay? He's ranked as the sixth best overall prospect in Major League Baseball, and some say he should be number one. But here's all I'm saying. They were saying the same things about Orlando Arcia in the Milwaukee Brewers camp back in 2016. Highest-rated prospect they've ever had in the history of the Brewers organization. So this is where, you know, and, and like you said, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Arcia's had a very nice career. Really nice career. And this Chorio is going to be handed tens of millions of dollars, and he's never played a major league game. Brewers think that's the right move? God bless him. I hope it works out for him. Everyone brings up the Ozzy Albies and the Ronald Acuna right. deals of the world. No one brings up the Phillies signed Scott Kingery to like a $35 million deal for seven years, and he hasn't played a lick. That's Not right. A, that's so. right. That's exactly. That's great, but it's a great point. To be clear, I don't think they can do that, Tom. I know that everyone wants that. I don't think they can extend guys for extended periods of time on a, on a huge risk. They just, I would rather just take my chances and, and continue to go. In your six-year window. And, and yeah, just, so you got six years with L.A. De La Cruz. More, You're going to have to more. pay him with arbitration. If you miss out on four-year, excellent, unbelievable years because you weren't able to keep him around, so be it. But by God, I'm not going to sign a guy for 10 years for a bo boatload of money just hoping I can get a guy for an extra six years of his career. Well. I, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see. We have a cherry on top today. I, I have one unless anyone else. Think you no. Okay. Yeah. What do you have? I have. You have a, great judgment. I have a really interesting story. Jacob was talking to me about just different prospects in the NFL draft coming up. And he brought up this guy's name. Braylon Allen. Yeah. 19 years old. Yep. He's 19 and declaring for the draft. He'll be 20 the end of January. So that means he'll only be 20 in a couple months getting into the draft. And he's already built like Derrick Henry. And he's only 19. He is out of Wisconsin. And he's rushed for 1,200 yards every single season from Wisconsin. Yeah, he's rushed for over 3,000 yards every season. I so, mean, total in his career. It was just a really interesting um, tidbit here. He claims that he can also outperform Derrick Henry's combine stuff, which would make him a really, really interesting prospect for the Bengals, he's like a second-round pick currently. But I thought really? thought this this story was interesting because of his age and, and he was mask. in the mask and how uh, how big he was at 17 because he was that big going into Wisconsin at 17. So I what were that was, kid's high school numbers? I he, he, he was young enough. He's young enough to be Stetson Bennett's son. Sets have been asked two national championships. Braylon Allen has uh, literally nothing. So. That's exactly Congratulations right. Congratulations, That's exactly right. All right, boys, enjoyed it today. A lot going on tomorrow. We got our picks. We got a big weekend of college football and pro football, but college football, all the uh, proverbial uh, you know chips are on the table. Uh, starting tomorrow night with a Pac-12 championship. Although you know, at the end of the day, whoever wins that game is going in the playoff. Uh, and I don't think Washington, if they lose with one loss, is going to make it. So. If Oregon wins, they're in the playoff. Washington wins, they're in the playoff. The other big games are Saturday. So we go from there. 
So we have our picks tomorrow for the NFL. And we got to figure out, oh, we got Nick Kirby coming in. That's right. That's right. That'll be exciting. We'll get into all this with Nick tomorrow. All right, everybody, thanks. Have a great rest of your day. Yes, no time. program notes? None. Nope. And you went none? And you went none. And you went none. All right. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.